Hello, and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and tonight I am talking with my good friend and fellow podcaster, Stephen Farshid. How are you tonight, old chap? I'm wonderful. I've, like, I've never heard my name sound so sexy <laughs> in, in, my, in my entire life. Thank you. Uh, high, high praise there. I, it's funny, when you have an accent, everything sounds so beautiful and, and way, way more important than I actually am, so... Imagine if I did an episode like that. I, there's no way that sounded beautiful. Oh, it sounded so good. Like I got, I got pretty thin pants on. Some <laughs> I already told you what your voice does to me, sir. I don't take that however you want to take it. I got UK listeners right now. They're like bollocks. He sounds like fucking shit. <laughs> like what they say, worse. Billy Billy Butcher's accent is like a combination of five different actual accents. <laughs> Like when I do my my Australian voice, it's just me doing Jim Jeffries. That's all it is. Me doing a very shitty Jim Jeffries. Do you have any Australian listeners? Uh yeah, I get downloads there. All right, all right. I'm worldwide. I'm international, like Pitbull, but fatter. Yeah, white, Mister World, Mister Three Hundred Five. Mister, I guess you're not from Three Hundred Five. So what's your what's your area code there? Area code three one nine. Oh, that does not that does not roll off the tongue. I'm sorry, man. Three one nine represent Mister Three One Nine. Almost sounds like your prison number or something like that. Doesn't sound good. That I I cannot hype myself like that. Like I I'm I'm anti ego in that case. Like the thought of it like makes me cringe. That's why I'm so terrible at selling a book. Selling my own book. I mean, like I said before, I I don't know how many times I got to say this, but just the minute I hear. The sexy, sexy vocals dripping into my ears. <laughs> it's like you don't have to sell me anything. You could just read the white pages, and I'm I'm gonna download it. That's just that's just the way it is. So, <laughs> I've <laughs> I've listened to your audio books, your little samples and stuff that you've given me, and of course the full uh, "I Become Death." And I mean, I, I cannot wait. I know that it's that's so typical of somebody to come on here and just talk about how wonderful you are and how cool your <laughs> your you. shit I'm is blushing. that you do. But like, I'm legit like Steve Hudson kind of level excited about your that's next work. Yeah, he's he gets excited, dude. Steve Hudson is the best like hype man to have in your corner. That guy can really really make you believe in yourself. He is that guy is a fucking treasure. I sent a, a T-shirt that I saw come on my Instagram, like an advertisement or something, and I snapped, uh, screenshot it, and sent it to Dan Ramirez, and I said, "We are buying this for Steve for Christmas." And it said, "Hyperbably, hyperbably, the greatest word ever." <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just like, that is the perfect T-shirt for Steve Hudson. <laughs> I really fucking love that hyperbole, yeah. the best word ever. <laughs> yeah. It's it might even be something more grand. It must, it must, it, it, I think it's just something like the greatest word of all time or yeah, something. Yeah, of course, like, of course. The, the bigger the exaggeration, the more exactly. hyperbole you get. <laughs> and I just, I can just see, you know, like a nice extra schmedium, you know, on, on Steve Hudson. And I, I think that'd be a perfect shirt for him. I, 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 I don't know. We all chip in like three bucks. We could get him one. <laughs> less Speaking than, of which. Less than the I, price of your average Starbucks. I, I hate to bring up, like, constantly bring up people that, on different podcasts and some of your listeners know who the hell these people are talking about, but oh, fire away. I sent something today. Uh, and it, I, well, I sent something and it got delivered today. Um, 
I I was listening to 401. Oh, I think uh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and like the minute I heard it, I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this, and I just sent it right to Brian. <laughs> the the uh, what was it the the, the Santar Santar yeah the, the Santar the Santa Claus Centaur Christmas ornament shirtless Santa. <laughs> super jacked with abs and pecs and everything yeah, it's it's quite the yeah. christmas ornament i wonder how many he actually get he got I, i'm very i wonder <laughs> if, if i'm gets the only multiple santors that's going to be amazing it's going to be awesome i didn't put my name on or anything so he's probably going to be very like <laughs> oh i know he listens so he's yeah. gonna find out <laughs> damn it i should have just let, kept my mouth shut oh that's yeah, you're incredible right. listen yeah. that's incredible oh <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if we'll talk about it well, like no, he, i mean i he guess sent he pictures to 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 me and jake and neil and he was like somebody sent me this and we're like oh my oh. god that's incredible <laughs> he did get it so he got it he, yeah. he sent those today uh, uh what was it maybe yesterday maybe he posted oh, so, online too so then but so i know you're not you're not on social media too much right no not. but 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 here okay so guess what because mine mine landed today so, oh, nice you so ordered yourself one too i love it no no no. i mean mine for him oh okay today. okay so that's confirmed that he has multiple ones now oh my god that's hilarious <laughs> either that or the tracking was just off sometimes that happens i don't know i think i think it's going to be at least more than one. if it's he has multiple that's going to be incredible <laughs> <laughs> oh, i should have bought one for myself though now that you mention it oh Oh, that was my first thought when I got, when I saw the link, I was like, I kind of want to buy this. I'm like, your wife is, <laughs> she's, she's not going to think Santor <laughs> no? is worthy to be displayed. Probably not. She, t she really loves Christmas. It's kind of yeah, her favorite holiday. Traditional. I don't know if traditional, but I mean, like if I had to pick a holiday that I thought was my wife's favorite, it would be Christmas. I mean, she, winter's her favorite time of year and, and yeah, she, lo she loves doing Christmas up. And you live in the place with like snow and shit, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we Ugh. definitely get snow here. I mean, sometimes you know we'll have a Christmas go by with no snow, and then we just get dumped on in January and February, and sometimes March too, and now yeah, sometimes it, even up into April. It's weird to think about somebody that lives in that environment that says winter's their favorite time of the year. I see people like digging their cars out of their driveways, <laughs> and I want to look at them and I want to kind of like shake them, like, hey you don't have to live here. This is, this isn't right. Like you don't, there's other places you can live that you don't have to do this. There's a purity to winter that I really, really enjoy though. Oh, like, this, listen, listen to the poetry here. Okay, I, go I, ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. There's nothing I love more. Like one of my absolute favorite things in life is to go on a winter hike. It's, hmm. it's absolutely beautiful. The, the, the forest is like a different type of quiet than you will hear any other time of year. And Can you describe it in further detail? I just lit a a a, a smoking pipe, and I'm, I'm just trying to enjoy this. <laughs> it is. It, it's just fantastic. Sounds carry further, and so the the woods just sound different. They smell different in the wintertime. You can see the tracks everywhere, and so you can really see, you know, the different like kind of highways and byways through the forest that the little woodland critters take. Um, it's you can pack up a thermos full of like hot cocoa or really hot apple cider and throw it in a pack. And, you know, maybe with like a couple cliff bars or some sandwiches or something like that and just go hiking and just hike and hike until you find like a cave or something like that that you can just chill out in. And then, mm. you know, have have your hot apple cider or whatever and rest up a bit and then go out and hike some more. Like the amount of 
awesome wildlife I've seen. I remember one time we were posted up in this cave that we had to scramble up this rock wall a bit to get to. So when we were sitting in the cave, we were probably like a good 30, maybe 40 feet up from like proper where the ground was under us. But it was an easy scramble to get up to. You know, it isn't like we were doing anything technical. But we were right, sitting but- there chilling. And then we looked out and sitting on a branch level right in front of us, just like 30 feet in front of us was a bald eagle. Nice. And it was just fucking huge. And we looked at it and it had already noticed us and it was staring right at us. And so we just all sat there and just stared at it for a while. And then eventually it took off flying and it landed and there was a whole bunch of others in trees all around it. And there was a dead deer down on the ice because we were right next to a river, a frozen Mm -hmm. river. And there's a dead deer down on the ice that all the bald eagles had been eating when we when we rolled up on that spot. Wow. Okay. You might have just sold this Florida boy. On the on this, <laughs> this winter hike shit the, sounds kind of nice. You just if you have the proper gear, that that's all it takes. If you, if you go out into the woods and it's and it's winter time out and it's really freezing temps and you don't have the right gear on, you know, not only you're going to probably not have a good time. You you might you know you risk getting hypothermia or something like that. So as long mm-hmm. as you have the right gear to to safely do it, it's a lot of fucking fun. And then a little bit of planning beforehand to make sure you know that that thermos of hot apple cider. Or hot cocoa is a must. Hmm. So there's actually people that, you know, go out there and get in trouble. Oh, yeah. There's search and rescues out in the bigger western states. In Iowa, in Iowa, you'd almost have to go out maybe by yourself or something like that and, like, maybe have a slip and fall somewhere mm-hmm. that is, you know, like Iowa remote, which Iowa remote is nothing like big western states remote. I mean, in Iowa, I feel like. Whenever I hear stories about people getting lost in the woods in Iowa, I'm like, what? Like, all you have to do is walk in a fucking straight line for at least an hour and you're going to hit a cornfield. You're going to hit a cornfield eventually. But is a cornfield like a savior? A cornfield means that there's access. It means there's going to be roads somewhere. So as long as you hit that fence line for the cornfield and just keep following that fence line, eventually you're going to find a road or a farmhouse. Hmm. and road and farmhouse equals people it's better than being in the middle of the woods where they're definitely not going to fucking find you in fact if you get lost in the woods they say you're supposed to just like remain in place but my and and i think that's great advice for if you're lost in like fucking wyoming or colorado or someplace like that where their national parks and stuff there are just they're they're so big it's like mind-bogglingly miles you know square miles in size it's not like iowa in iowa only one percent of the land is owned by the government. Hmm. So 99% of the land in Iowa is privately owned. So you really can't get all that lost in, in public, you know, <laughs> like, wow. uh, like uh, public land. So 99% cornfields and 1% national forest. That's what Iowa is. <laughs> we have a lot of, a lot of agriculture land here. Um, hmm. uh, like back in the, in the, in like the, you know, pioneer days, Iowa was mostly rolling wetlands. And so when the agriculture boom came here, they drained a lot of those wetlands and turned a lot of it into farmland. Uh, We've got a really, really thick layer of like black topsoil dirt that we can kind of thank the last ice age for because those really big glaciers kind of acted like a bulldozer and plowed a lot of really good dirt, you know, from up north in Canada and Minnesota and stuff and dropped it down in the Midwest. That's why the Midwest in the States has got such good lush farmland. You can thank the Ice Age 10,000 years ago. So let me ask you a question. Is that something that when you're born in Iowa, like you just had that knowledge growing up or did you seek out that knowledge? Oh, I seeked it out. I was, I was kind of atypical. 
Okay. <laughs> like, I just thought like, there was there was like literally a class in the third grade that talked about where the topsoil came from in Iowa. No, I've just found that sort of stuff like fascinating. Um, okay. <laughs> one of my favorite documentaries that. that my wife and I used to watch all the time was called um, uh, How the Earth Was Made. And it was really fascinating. And there was a whole uh, bit in that series about the last ice age and and uh, uh, glacial drift. It's why the northeast part of Iowa and the, the southwest part of Wisconsin, kind of northwest part of Illinois, that whole region is called the driftless region. And it's because when the, the glaciers came down, they kind of split. And there was a big section in the middle of it where there was no glaciation. And so that's why Iowa has all those really big rolling hills and that that's why the driftless region in general has those big rolling hills because they didn't get flattened down by sheets of ice that were literally a mile to two miles in thickness hmm. i mean can you imagine how much two miles worth of ice weighs i mean imagine how i mean it literally deformed the earth in the last ice age it pushed down in the middle of the continent so hard that it raised florida out of the water like imagine if you're getting on like a big pool floaty and you push down in the middle Sure. And the outside edges lift up. That's uh -huh. what happened to Florida. Wow. So I, I also have to thank the Ice Age then for having a place where I can be born. <laughs> well, actually, Florida was a hell of a lot bigger when, when the ice was here. When the ice receded, you know, all that water needed somewhere to go. And so it eventually ran off into the oceans. And mm -hmm. that in combination with that great weight no longer being on the, on the center of the continental mass it allowed the coastal regions to sink down. And then in combination with ocean raise, ocean mm -hmm. levels raising, that's why those coasts disappeared. And it's probably why you don't see very much um, evidence of like ancient societies is because think of how prevalent it is to live along coasts. And if mm -hmm. suddenly that coastline is now, what, several hundred feet different, bye-bye evidence. I mean, water sure. is relentless. Yeah, I mean, because obviously you look at a map of the, particularly the United States at night, I mean, it, it's it's mainly just lit up around the entire coasts. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, you know, that's where people want to live. For, I don't know. I'm sure there's studies about why people migrate next to the ocean and, and stay there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense to me because once once that area gets covered with water, then, then all that huge high percentage majority of societies is gone. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I find that shit fascinating. I mean, there's, there's, it, it's such seemingly a hard thing to prove, but like ancient megalithic sites and, and all that stuff, I just find it very, very, very fascinating. The things that don't fit the, 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 you know, kind of the, the accepted narrative, you know, when they find these things like, like the structures in Punapunku or, or, um, uh, Gobekli Tepe and stuff. And it's like, really? So modern thought says that these people didn't have any stool or steel tools of any kind back then. And, and how did these things come to be? Mm -hmm. Because these are blocks that are fucking, you know, hundreds of tons and they have weird right angles cut into them, like recessed cuts that are like perfectly done. Sure. Like, you know, tens of thousands of years, like 10,000 years later. And they're like the edges on these are still so precisely cut that if you run a finger down, I'm like, you cut your finger on it. Wow. And I guess it's just crazy. saying aliens is, is not – that's not enough. Well, right? no. It, it discounts like ancient – like the ingenuity of ancient man. The thing that gets disregarded is like people talk about ancient history like like Stonehenge is like what? Like 2500 BC, 2700 BC, somewhere in there. I'm mm -hmm. spitballing. I have no idea. 
when you okay. think that humans have had this same brain that we've had for like over a hundred thousand years and what we only got our shit together in the last 2500 get the fuck out of here especially okay. when you see how fragile this planet's ecosystem is like considering like on a cosmic scale it wouldn't take that big of a piece of space debris to hit the planet to fuck things up enough to where it bottlenecks yeah, to humans oh yeah right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. Like when you when you think about ancient history, and I mean, your your auto your automatic default thought is if you met somebody from that time period, you'd be so far advanced intellectually and and everything that you know it'd be, it would be laughable. But you're saying that that's not necessarily the automatic case. I'm saying you could take somebody from like a hundred thousand years ago. And with the proper education, make them just as smart as you or I. Or they'd have the average intelligence smartness of anybody else. The way that I understand it, which is, you know, I'm not a paleontologist or anything like that. But the way I understand it is that humans have more or less had the same brain for the last like 150,000 years, maybe longer. Mm. And so it's like, okay, that just means with the right education set, you could take somebody from back then and they could be just as smart as somebody here. What, how much knowledge was lost back then? Because as far as we know, written word starts in in what ancient Sumer with cruciform with I think it's called cruciform, where it's like written okay. on clay tablets and they had like a, a triangular shaped stylus and just kind of the in the the shape that they would impress that stylus into the clay, mm. kind of denoted stuff. And so that was kind of the first idea of of thoughts becoming immortal, you know, when when they could be presented in a, in a written form that other people could read and understand right and you're saying that most likely a thousand a hundred thousand years before that there was this who we knows? just don't have the evidence of it who knows maybe there was more advanced societies you know i mean how did those big metholic metholith megalithic structures how did those things get built it it tickles the imagination um it, it's easy to say oh it's aliens it's like yeah that's that's right. weak. I, I, I tend, I'm team people. Like, I, I, I think that people were, were smart enough to do that stuff and they just had different ways to do it, you know? You know, it's funny. I, I don't know why I think I can come on StarCast and just be like, oh, I'm going to talk about comic books and, and, and comic book <laughs> movies. I, I hear the other episodes. I hear intelligent conversations between you and guests. And I don't know if like, this is intelligent conversation. This well, is borderline conspiracy theory. <laughs> at least it's one way intelligent conversation. You know, I'm, I, you could be talking to the void right now. I'm just sitting here waiting to talk about, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home spec. You know what I'm saying? Like, I <laughs> I don't know how we get in the weeds like this. I'm so sorry. Not that I find everything that you're saying completely fascinating. I just wish I had something to contribute to it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like last time we were on, you, 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 you had a great compliment. You said that I'm, I'm going to be your go-to guy for, for (laughs) For life advice advice and questions. And now I'm thinking, I think you probably picked the wrong person. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to stick by that because you've given me some of the best comic book recommendations over like the past year. Like I've yeah. read so much good Marvel stuff because of your recommendations, and I really appreciate that so much. I'm really, I'm really happy that you you read about the the whole Mount Wondergore uh, storyline because I I still think that's really yeah, that really was wild, dude. Dude, that is one of the best Avenger stories written in in the Bronze Age, and I honestly believe we're gonna see a form of that epic final 
like conclusion on the summit of of Mount Wandergore somewhere at some point. Oh, it just seems that way, right? Especially with with what they did with Wanda at the end of WandaVision and seemingly what they're setting up, you know, with Quantum Mania or not Quantum Mania, um into the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. But think about the players on Mount Wondergore. You've got the High Evolutionary, who is rumored to, to be part of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and, and we're going to see a Rocket Raccoon uh, you know, backstory or whatever it is there. And uh, by the way, if, if we're talking about taking bets on, on who's going to die from Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I, my money's on Rocket Raccoon. Oh, dude, that's heartbreaking. No, that's like killing that's the family what, dog. You can't do I that. I just think that that's why I think that he's going to sacrifice himself. Like, that's just who he is. That's his. Oh, because, yeah, he's kind of been having this journey. And exactly. then Yondu just did that. Right. I And I think that there'll be a big final sacrifice where where, you know, and I don't know. This is all completely spitballing. But we already know supposedly some one or two major characters from Guardians of the Galaxy are going to die. And he's he's definitely my leading candidate. I just think that that's that's going to hit you in the feels more than any other character, you know. And James Gunn loves to hit you in the feels. I mean, that's true. I mean, Suicide Squad. I mean, uh, spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, I don't know if you want to fast forward this la- next statement, but man, you just starting to believe in polka dot man. You're like, Oh my God, he's having his catharsis moment. He's, he's free of his mother. And then he just gets stomped. Yeah. Talk talk about a sudden death, like right at the guy's like highest point. Yeah. I mean, gun loves to like, just, just bring you on these roller coasters, coasters of high low emotions. (laughs) He killed almost all the characters in that. He did. And he even said it before. (laughs) Yeah. Don't get too attached. (laughs) And I mean, we lost like six right off the bat. (laughs) Yes. Those are people who died, died. <laughs> Dude, it was so sad because I like as soon as I found out who Flew LeBorg was, the guy who played Javelin, like I started following on my Instagram and the dude was absolutely hilarious. Like everything that he did, like I was dying. He does like these weird music videos and I hilarious. I was looking forward to him so much in Suicide Squad and I got like nothing. <laughs> got nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you <get> shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I trolled myself on that one. Oh, but, right. Yeah. Oh, speaking yeah. of trolling ourselves, I went back and re-listened to our episode and, and us talking about Mephisto and, and Shathan and stuff was just adorable <laughs> in retrospect. Hey, <laughs> hey, listen, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I still think Shathan's coming. Don't worry, no, I'm not besmirching and I, you. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I think, and I think that, dude, I think that you're crazy if you don't think that Mephisto had a hand in WandaVision. Like, I know that every, nobody wants to hear about it because it's something that everybody thought was happening and it didn't happen, so they're all just discounting it. And honestly, to me, that seems like a total Kevin Feige play right there. I'm going to dangle it in front of your face. I'm not going to give it to you. You're going to forget all about it. And then I'm going to punch you in the taint with it, you know, three movies from now when you weren't, when you're not (laughs) expecting it. And I'm going to show you six different times in WandaVision where you should have known that he was there. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's oh, yeah. Kind of- I mean, there, there's a lot of shit in WandaVision that if we never get him and he's never connected to any of that. I mean, that for that season is still feels like trolling when it comes to all those those Easter eggs for for that. W- what about the China market influence? Because I heard that China was not OK with with Mephisto. But then again, didn't didn't China just go ahead and ban all superhero movies anyway? Yeah. So it, I guess that doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah. Mephisto yeah. away, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, obviously, you don't want to lose those dollars. 
But but at the same time, like I understand the comic book roots and, and the things that we think of as Mephisto. It's like, well, the only thing we know about Mephisto at this point is from the comic books because he doesn't appear anywhere else, you know, in the MCU. But like they can have what the essence of Mephisto and not straight up say he's the devil. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, there's there ways that. around shit that we don't that we haven't thought of that much smarter people or at least more involved people have already come up with ways to work around stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like Agatha Harkness is an old lady in the comics that you know what I'm saying? Like she's not some it's it, they change the characters. They they make them what makes sense. And I think that if they want to find a workaround to not piss off people. I, I don't think that they're even Marvel themselves are ready to have the actual devil be a character. Think about every <laughs> single villain that's been around. It's always been some kind of sympathetic villain. And, and that's I definitely mean, what they're going towards. I mean, well, no, but look, but look at Eternals spoilers for Eternals. Uh, uh, do you want to get a spoiler? I don't know. Is there a yeah, special spoilers for Eternals? <laughs> spoilers. Good job. Yeah. I knew there was going to be some kind of fanfare with that, but, <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> but dude, if you think about what – if you really think about The Eternals, which I thought was a great movie by the way. I don't know – really know where any of the hate is coming from. Even as I, I revisit – I enjoyed it too. I'd, I'd give it a seven – a solid seven out of ten for absolutely. me. Absolutely. Seven, seven is the perfect and, – and if you add the end credit scenes, it bumps it up to a seven and a half, maybe even an eight because it, it, it's – I can't remember a more impactful one, two end credit scenes in the MCU. You've got the silly one and the really punch one. Yeah. Here you've got two that really just got you going. You got new characters in both in credit scenes. You know, and one of them is just a voice, but I mean on the Ebony Ebony Blade itself is a character. So technically you got four new characters on two post credit scenes. And I personally think it's the most impactful in credit scenes of all the MCU movies, hands down. So if you add those to your rating. To me, it's a solid eight. When I think back on those, I think about Thena, the character, um, Angelina Jolie's character, and I just fucking love that character. And I love Gilgamesh. And I and, I, and every as I'm talking about the characters, all I can say is, oh, I love them. I don't – I got nothing from Icarus and Cersei, which is strange. I loved that's... Gilgamesh so much, dude. Oh, my god. I was you know, so heartbroken that, that, that they killed him off and – I, I hope they have some sort of way to bring him back in a way because he was fucking incredible. I mean, just think about it though. Like, think about the characters. They introduced ten characters, and six to seven of them, you're like, oh, I love that character. <laughs> you know, and 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 the acting and the character development makes Avengers from what 2012 or 2013. You compare those actors and acting skills compared to what we saw in Eternals, it's like night and day. It's like, you know, daytime Emmys versus Oscar, in my opinion. You know, just the, the clinic that these people put on in Eternals, like they put these performances together that maybe give a shit about almost all of them in this two and a half hour movie. And that's hard to do. So I don't know, man. I don't understand the hate. I think about scene by scene that I replay it in my head and I get hyped for it and I get excited. I'm like, I can't wait to watch that again. I can't wait watch, to watch Gilgamesh like uppercut punch things and slap things down with that power. And, you know, and Kingo was – I thought he was a very dynamic character. He was, Yes, of course, he was comic relief. Yeah, and he was funny. 
it was funny. And his valet was like the sweetest guy that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, Karun. I mean, even as, yeah, what's his name? I'm sorry. I think it was Karun, right? Karun, okay. Something and even like as that. he was. I could be wrong. Even as Kingo was like walking out, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm not really in about this. I'm, I'm going to go, which I thought was a bold move. And, and I, I liked I liked the payoff there. He turns around and, he, and he's like, oh, thank you very much. You know, there's been an honor to be with you. And I'm like, I just, I love this guy. I just want to just grab those puffy cheeks and just squeeze them, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I felt so much connection to these characters, but I forgot why we started bringing this up. But, um, God, what were we talking about? <laughs> Hard to say, but we're here now. Oh, I know what it was. It made, <laughs> it made tight, it made um, Thanos like almost a hero. Like if you think about the dynamic. Of the oh, thing, yeah. I kind of like that take that that yeah. because because the population is going to reach a certain size and that's going to cause a celestial to be born and it's going to kill everybody and destroy the whole planet. Right. By Thanos actually having the populations on these. He's prolonging the, the life of that planet. Yeah. Ha- at least half of the people for another, you know billion years or whatever long it's going to take to get back to seven billion you know what i mean he's prolonging half of those people you know it's always of course they're never going to address that because i don't think that's their intention but like that that's my point with these marvel villains like they're taking all these villains and at some in some light you can actually look at them as oh well you know they were doing good you know and i just don't think that they can pull off here's the devil Hey, feel bad for him and, you know, make you you should think about some of the things that he's doing and good. I I think that other movies can do that. One shot movies can show you the devil and make him a sympathetic villain. Absolutely. But in a world, of course, owned by the Mighty Mouse, too, I, I don't think they can pull off using the straight devil as a villain. Well, and, but, and the MCU is certainly no stranger to, you know, villains that that have no sympathetic reason. So, you know, I mean, it, it isn't like it would be out of line for them to do Mephisto and just have him be. Yeah, but that's a, not dynamic. Does anybody want that? I mean, in the comic books, he's charming. He teams up with, with heroes sometimes. I mean, like, I, I, I don't want him to be this void of a nothing like that. There's no fun in that. So well, no, I just, I'm not saying just be some like, you know, like, like one of the first ones that comes to mind is like, like Malekith from the dark world. Like, terrible villain like absolutely terrible you don't give a shit about anything he's doing you know he's just a a cookie cutter no consequence villain but like you take somebody like say like the way that the heath ledger played the joker you know he was able to play a villain that you're not sympathetic for him at all but you're absolutely riveted by what he's doing on the screen right and so it it just takes the, the right writing and i think in the right casting yeah, but you don't bring Mephisto in to be in one movie. No, he'd you know have I mean? to be in multiple. And he's, but that's what I'm saying. Heath Ledger's Joker wouldn't have worked for six movies across six movies. Well, no, and, and I'm just saying I, I was more just bringing that up as an example of like a, a villain that, you know, he's he's very compelling, but he's not one that's sympathetic at all, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But like I said, if if, if you're going to bring this dude in, it's going to be some overarching plot. And yeah, I don't know. I just I, I don't I, I don't I don't think that it's not like oh, China's blocking them. I just don't think them themselves are ready to actually now. Can they plant the seeds and make us think that that there is a 
large demonic villain that you don't see b- behind these things, yeah, I think they've already done it. I think we saw in, in WandaVision when Agatha Harkness first got possessed. When when she, she You could tell when she was on the stake that she was sad and she wanted help from people. You know what I mean? Like she was on the stake about to get burned by her sisters and her, and her mother and she it was terrified. Right. There, there was a kind of shift in her. Right. And, and I wasn't sure if it sudden, was possession or, or her just showing her true colors. No, I, I honestly, because then, because right after that purple smoke went into her is when she changed. But to me, that, to me, that's obvious possession. And, and I think that we find out that that's Shithon or, 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 or Mephisto or some kind of dark force like that, whatever they name that force that we're going to find out, we're, we're going to think, oh, you know, WandaVision was so disappointing because none of this thing amounted to anything. And I don't think they're even remotely getting started with that storyline. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot more meat left on that bone. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I wish I could be a guest on here that could sit here and talk about really cool, profound things, but... <laughs> It's just, Dude, the MCU is one of my favorite things to talk about. Like, what, do you, what the fuck are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we got the Spider-Man trailer, and everybody's all gaga over that. So, yeah, and I know you were less than gaga over it. Yeah, I just, I don't know, like just from the actual trailer itself, and looking at these villains, and I know that you know member berries are in full force, and that's what the driving force behind all of this is. Is the, the three Spider-Men, it's, it's really – it's 100 percent just nostalgia. Like that's the whole driving force, the whole reason why anybody is thirsting for that. And when I look at this trailer, I see a lot of mid to early 2000 superhero elements here. And I, I cool, I guess, but like I, I don't want to – I've already seen those movies. I want to see a movie that was made – a superhero movie that was made – you know, post 2015, like with an awesome storyline. And I mean, I just seemed like it was just action scene after action scene. And, oh, look, we got this villain. And, oh, look, we got this. Like, what what's the story? Here? I'm excited for all the multiverse stuff that's going to make up the story, though. But what's the story? What is the story? So they performed a spell to make everybody forget that he's Spider-Man. It cracked this timeline and all these random villains are coming. And they're putting it back together. Like, that's the whole story. That's is what that, it, seems very, like. it seems but like. Is that very compelling to you? Well, I think here's where it gets compelling is that I think that that's like the beginning of it. And then Peter's going to find out that and I think he's going to get manipulated into this and that he's going to find out that all these villains are going to get sent back, you know, to the universe they came from, where it was their fate to die at the hands of Spider-Man. And Tom okay. Holland is, I think, going to be he's he's concerned about those people dying and it having, right. he's having not it being his fault. Yes, he's not comfortable on his hands. And so right. I think that that's where this is going to get interesting is that he's going to go and inadvertently spring them all out of that prison at once and shit's going to go really bad. And, you know, that's when they're going to kind of have to rally and bring in these other Spider-Men and get the whole thing cleaned up. Which And cleaned up, which means doing the thing that he didn't want to do and send them back to their universe. Yeah, but like I've been giving this a lot more thought and I keep going back to the finale of Loki where they're talking with he who remains and he kind of is laying out everything. And then he gets kind of quiet for him. And he's like, did you hear that? 
that's when it happens. And like, that's when the timeline around them starts to fracture. And it's like, I think all these different things that we're seeing in phase Thor, not all of them, but I think a lot of these different storylines that we're seeing so far in phase Thor, phase, phase Thor, phase four, phase Thor, Thor, (laughs) are all contributing to this collapse of the multiverse, right? I think it's coming from multiple sides. I think it has a lot to do with what Wanda's doing. It has a lot to do with, with, um, you know, Peter messing up the spell of Dr. Strange. It has, um, let's, uh, let's not add, let's not forget to add Ultron in the, in the, in the, one of the multiverses. Right. I mean, yeah, because how much of what we saw, I mean, they said, what if is all canon. So all that yeah, stuff that's exactly. going on in there should be contributing to it as well. And what well. about Venom having the ability to reach across universes as a symbiote? So now yeah, Venom still haven't evolved. seen, still haven't oh. seen that one, but, Sorry. but I'm no, I'm familiar with it. I didn't give a fuck about getting spoiled about that. Like yeah, you shouldn't, I, I enjoyed the first movie just as like, oh, this is fun. Sort of but sort like, I don't, I don't look at it like, oh, this is a, a a comic book movie for me to be taken seriously. And so I was surprised when I heard through the grapevine that, you know, oh, there's an end credit scene in that where it connects it to the MCU. Like, okay, that's. But, but see, see, okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What, <laughs> hap- what happened to us five, six years ago when we said that the Spider-Man movies were not MCU, they were MCU adjacent. Why all of a sudden do is all Spider-Man movies just part of the MCU now? Multiverse. It's because the multiverse makes it happen, and the multiverse has always been a big part of Spider-Man's story. I mean, think about what a huge smash success Into the Spider-Verse was. Arguably, it's the best Spider-Man movie you can watch. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, dude, when I caught that in the theater in 3D, that was one of the most amazing theater experiences I've ever had. Like, if I could go back and recreate any theater experience from my life, 10 out of 10 times, I'm hitting that button to go back and relive Into the Spider-Verse in 3D. That's high praise. Oh, it was so good. It was so amazing. Mm -hmm. Wasn't expecting it to be as amazing as it was. Really knocked my socks off. Multiverse is, is, you know, it's the backbone of that story. And it worked really well. It resonated with audiences really well. And with Marvel... MCU opening up the multiverse this is a perfect time to do the same thing with Spider-Man. And hey, you, this is the third time you guys have rebooted the character. These other actors, I'm sure they're still stoked to do it. And and it seems like there's always been some exec at Sony with this raging hard on for the Sinister Six. And why not? It's one of the big parts of the Spider-Man story. And, and it's like, I feel like this is like this perfect storm where it's kind of all coming together. And, and it feels like it could be a really perfect storm for it to come together really nicely. But, you know, also, I mean, it, it, it could be a big flop. Maybe we're all pushing, maybe we're all putting way too much into this similar to what we did with WandaVision. But I would like to think it's not the case. I think that there's some things around the release of this trailer that, like with um that that big scene, you know, with the, with, with the villains all coming in and mm-hmm. you can see that lizard is clearly getting punched in the face by something. I mean, something right. was digitally yeah. removed from there. Sure. And also what the fuck is he jumping at? I mean, yeah, that's, that's your biggest evidence right there. And, I'm sorry. And Tom like, Holland's reaction when he saw that part of the, the video live and he started to say, wait, where's the, <laughs> you know, it's uh, like, it's like, yeah, almost sounds, I didn't know that. And that almost sounds like some trolling, but hold on. Let me get back. To that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not questioning. I'm not questioning. Any of the things that you're saying, the only the only fundamental question I have is that I, I don't know why people forget it, but at one point we knew that Spider-Man was being borrowed, 
And now everything that we see is MCU. Spider-Man's MCU. Spider-Man's, and and I think that that's that's a little bit of a flaw in thinking because honestly, and I've said this before on other podcasts, and it wasn't well received, and I'm sure people are going to completely disagree with me what I'm saying now. And forget about whether it makes sense or not, financially, successfully, or whatever. I strongly feel that. Sony is creating their own Sonyverse and is tired of asking permission from Kevin Feige if things make sense and need to fit into a certain box. Now, when Venom came out, Venom was 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 Sony. It wasn't the MCU, okay? So nothing could tie Venom to directly to Spider-Man because that would tie it to the MCU, right? So that was two degrees of separation, and that was way too close for, for Kevin Feige's liking. And and honestly, Venom 2, 10 degrees of separation would be way too close to the MCU for, for Kevin Feige because there's no way that he's letting that turd anywhere near <laughs> any kind of connection. And and then to, to view that that in-credit scene is confirmation that – Venom is part of the MCU, I think is a very, very flawed thought. Well, I, I, I think that that is an oversimplification. I think it just I means think, that, the, that they exist in the same multiverse. Correct. I think that in the very first Venom, they couldn't do it. One was in New York and one was in San Francisco. And, and we can't touch Spider-Man because Spider-Man's in this really weird place right now where he's being barred by the MCU. And we got this deal worked out, so we got to keep it separate. I think – that if anything, and everybody else that I've talked to said, oh, no, it's evidence that he's in the MCU. I, to me, that was evidence that they're finally pulling Spider-Man away. That Spider-Man is coming to the Sony-verse, coming quote-unquote home, and now living in that world. And and when I saw this trailer, I said, oh, shit. Like, it's real. Like, I don't, I don't want it to be real. I absolutely don't want it to be real. Do I want Tom Holland to play Spider-Man in the MCU for the next 30 years? Yes, I do. I don't give a shit if he's got gray hair. He's still going to look like he's 28 years old. <laughs> so, yes, I want that to be there. Spider-Man is my character. He's, he's, that I went to see opening night, Spider-Man, Sam Raimi. Like I got interviewed by – because I was the, you know, the only idiot sitting outside. I got interviewed by some local paper asking me about if I was excited about the Spider-Man movie. I was told – when I was 12 years old, that James Cameron was directing a Spider-Man movie. And I had to wait eight years to actually see a movie that wasn't directed by James Cameron anymore. And I loved it. And that Spider-Man's my guy. I want them, I want him to be around forever. But at some point, Sony and Sony's already crossed that point. In my opinion, it's already it's already a done deal. That Sony has said, We are building this world, and our masterpiece, our centerpiece, is Spider-Man. And far too long we've had to build this world and dance around the fact that, that our number one property is not part of it, and we're done. We've got this one, we've got this agreement. He's got this movie. He's got one more movie, which I think is um, Multiverse of Madness, right? Or is there another one after that? I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not up on the count. So I'm pretty sure. In my opinion, I think it's this and Multiverse of Madness, and then that's it. That's I, I could be completely off and there could be one more like ensemble Avengers five kind of storyline or whatever that he's allowed to be a part of. But they're, they're, they're Craven and, and they got they got Michael Keaton working on a vulture project, whatever that is, whether that is Craven the Hunter or not, whether it's a Sinister Six movie, I don't know. But like they're rolling out these properties and 
they're making this world. And how are they not allowed to use Sony's baby that they paid big money for from Marvel back in the 90s or whatever? How are they not allowed to use their their, their number one thing? And I think I think they've gotten tired of it. And I think that that that's what's happening here. So I just I hate the fact that everybody thinks that this is all part of the MCU. And I, I think that Doctor Strange is, is being borrowed, obviously, here. But does anything in this movie actually have anything to do with the MCU other than the fact that Doctor Strange is in it and it's going to have implications on Multiverse of Madness? Other than that, I think that it's not connected. So when I hear you say stuff about like Loki and all that, I get a little like, I don't know. I, I think that they want that separate for a reason. I, I think that that's a fair like tangent thought on what's going on on this. And, and like, I'd be lying if I, if I said that I've never thought that that's what was going on here because it does seem pretty tempting, but also it's like the MCU is, it's like, they're arguably putting out some of the biggest money-making blockbusters Mm -hmm. today. And so this is the only argument that anybody can come up with. By it, the way, it, it seems like it would be a bad business decision to unhitch your horse from that wagon. You know, it, it's like it's it's going to I mean, you're making so much money by by letting him do this. I mean, the MCU is big. I mean, they they might have been riding high on Venom, but I mean, the critical reviews for Venom, too, have not been good. I mean, if I heard good things about that movie, I would have went and seen it in the theater, but I didn't give a shit. I waited to see what, you know, what, what PCL was going to say about it. And and like in, in some of the other podcasts I listened to and nobody was over the moon about it. And so I was like, I can wait and stream it. It's, it's, you know, I'm not going to pay 15 bucks to go see it or whatever. Yeah, man. I, 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 dude, there's no, there's no argument, but that argument, that's the only argument that exists that has any kind of really true validity in my opinion. It's strong validity though. I mean, that's a, heavy, it is, that's, it is it's a millions and millions and millions of dollar argument. <laughs> and the only argument that I have against it, the only counter that I have against that is that when you start talk, talking to an artist, to artists, multiple people that have worked on these projects that, 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 that believe in themselves and their abilities, you it's not so evident to them who's better. It's evident to us. It's evident to the bank account. It's evident to the, the entire population basically in the world. But when you're an artist, you, you think you can do it. And, and let's not forget these people that are working on these movies. These are artists. Yeah, but it's not artists that are greenlighting the movies and making these decisions about what studio, you know, Spider-Man's going to do stuff in. It's it's people at the top. It's money people that are ultimately making these decisions. And then, you know, they they have different artists that, you know, maybe reach out to them with ideas on what they can do with this with the character and stuff. But you don't think that shaving off a couple hundred million from box office and making that up in toys and merchandise is something they haven't just argued already. Well, here's what I think. I think that when they bring Tom um, not Tom, but when they bring, um, you know, Tobey Maguire and um, and uh, Garfield and Andrew uh-huh. Garfield back in, they're now making these like relevant current Spider-Man again. Right. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. really connected to the MCU Spider-Man available to go back and do whatever they want. They have two different Spider-Man characters that they can use in whatever way that they want. 
And so they can really kind of have their cake and eat it too, in a way. They can yeah, leave. Except for absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I, you I, you can fool. Do you think it would confuse audiences too much? No, no not, not confuse them. I just don't think they would buy into it. I, I think that, that, that kids that were born in 2000 and 2002 – like the people that I work with and I want to throw up, I'm like, when were you born? Hey, I was born 2000. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like 2002? <laughs> Those people are not going to buy Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. I don't give a shit. They like, might, I don't, though. They're, they're, they're not. They're, Tom Holland's their Spider-Man. So if you're talking about executive decisions here, the decision is Tom Holland and Spider-Man is our property that we lend out to the NCU. I, that's mine. That's mine. And I'm, I'm I'm it's he's coming over to us and yeah obviously do I do I argue with the fact that Venom 2 should have been a wake-up call and Morbius most certainly will be a wake-up call it's gotta be right you know what I mean <laughs> but but also don't forget I mean I'm not this doesn't have anything to do with, with Tom Holland but their animation side's gonna is killing it and and they're gonna continue to kill it because you've got you know Spider-Verse 2, definitely in the works. You've got the the Spider-Women movie apparently in the works. Like, And you know they're going to be good properties. So they can build a world where they don't have to talk to anybody on the outside about what, they, what they're going to do. And it, like I said, I can – there is no argument against the financial decision of, of – of, of, of moving away from the MCU. I, there's no counter to that. And, and do I think that there are smart people that are fighting against it in, in, in the, on the Sony side of things? Yeah, I do. But I think that in the end, they're going to win out when they, when they, when they start talking, they start showing the money, the counter money with winning back toy and merchandise rights. They're going to show ways to, to, to convince the studio. Cause we're talking about a studio that hasn't had, just success on everything they've done and that's been apparent well and that's why they should stick with marvel but but that doesn't mean that they're always not gonna be successful you can't have this many creatives on one side and all of them collectively are like well we can't do it better than them that's true come on joe well i'm you... saying that i i really do think that that there is a way for them to if if this movie, I mean, the fervor around it right now is is tremendous. You know, I mean, it's it's going to do huge at the box office. And if they go and make Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield relevant again, and then the fans want to see more of them, you know, because they're still riding high after the movie. And so then they go and check out those movies on streaming and then they like them. Mm -hmm. That's two different Spider-Man that Sony can do whatever they want. Okay, with. They can leave Tom Holland in the MCU and still be making all that money there. I still and then satisfy their creatives that way. Still, before you go any, any further, I just have to ask this question. I, ha I just wanted uh, it's a big what if do I do I have a little little more faith in the rest of the world in this theory? But my question to you is, is, is what if they're not in the movie? That's all I'm asking. If, what they're, if they're not, not in the movie, it's going to be fucking wild. Okay, so what? Give me, give me, some, give me, give me an idea what that looks like. I, I don't because see how all it's of not us are thing. talking as if as, as if it's a done deal, and and and, and, and it, it very well might be absolutely ridiculous to think that they're not in the movie. That 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 is probably the case that you have to be certifiable to make any kind of argument that they're not in this movie. All I can I say will, is, I will, that if I will put it not. this way, real quick. Okay, go I'll ahead. Put it this way, real quick. 
and this is how I this is how I feel about it personally. If you handed me a thousand dollars and you said you get a free bet, and and you have to bet with this money, and on one side is you bet that they're in it, you place a thousand, you win your thousand back, and a thousand more. It's called even money odds, right? So so that's one case. Or you can get a chance to put that money on 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 the fact that they're not in the movie, right? Now, according to everybody else in the world, those odds should be one in a million. You should be able to lay a thousand and win a, a billion dollars back. You know what I mean? Because that's how foregone the conclusion is. But I'll tell you what. Just based on what the feeling I'm getting and some of the Kevin Feige comments and 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 and, and you guys talked about it already on PCL and 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 but the thing about that Feige has made those comments that everybody should needs to taper their expectations. The fact that it's so close to the release is the thing that's getting me the thing that's fucking me up. So my point is if you give me the right odds, I might actually lay that thousand dollars on the fact that they're not going to be in it. That's that's where my crazy mind is. You might only have to give me about ten to one, and I might say, you know what, fuck it, I'm I'm going to bet that they're not in this thing. Now, 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 I want to hear what you think happens if they're not in this movie. I I think if they're not in it, people are just going to be doing a bunch of bitching from the comfort of their keyboards or or podcast mics or or YouTube video channels, you know. Um, but what can they bitch about? Because all of this was created by fans. Exactly. Like, I mean, they, they'd just be like basically lamenting their own stoke or their nobody's own trolling stoke. them. No, not really. No, nobody trolled them. Nobody but, actually said these things. But here's the you here's the I mean? idea that, that I love about all this is that if they're really not in it. Can you imagine people at Sony and Marvel looking at the reaction on the internet and thinking, what the fuck? Why didn't we put these people in here? Like, look at how much people love this. It, it just, it just seems the idea just feels like an absolute non-starter to me. Like, I almost feel like I can't entertain that. They're not going to be in it. <laughs> I, I understand because like you said, they could have filmed the entire movie and, and there's no, they're not in there. And then based on the hype train that's happened over the last two, three, four, six months, whatever it's been, then you better believe they'll be on the phone and they say, you two, you two guys, get down here right now. I don't care. They're, throw on some fucking spandex spider suit <laughs> and sit in the back of a bus for an end credit scene where you guys just smile at each other and then that fades to black. Like something just to make sure that they're in this movie. Oh, that like, would almost be more upsetting than them not being. Yeah, in you're it at right. All. You're right. <laughs> my, my point was, was that even if it wasn't their intention to put these guys in this movie, they have been forced to do that at this point. They, they have to put them in the movie. And if they don't, and I know that it's, it's hard to entertain that because it's so ludicrous because, but, but, I, but I, but I implore you to question why you think that's so ludicrous. Because just because everybody keeps saying it's going to happen, come on, man. That's a that's a real like weak tentpole to, 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 to that. That's your support. The, the like, last that's trailer is, is what sealed it for me. Yeah, and and mostly that. that scene where where you can clearly see Lizard getting hit by something, even without that Spider-Man just swinging in as the web slinger all by himself against those three villains. What the that's yeah. that's fucking lunacy. The last three movies, he's had trouble defeating just one at a time yeah and, and now yeah, he's gonna you're right. go, go the biggest three evidence. of them 
the biggest evidence that they're not in this movie is is the lack of the evidence. You know what I mean? Like that's exactly the, the fact. The fact that they were not in that scene is like the biggest evidence that they are in that scene. And I get that because you can analyze it all day long, but you're right. I mean, there's no way. But but once again, whoever put this trailer together now now I I did hear that this trailer was put together very like hastily and kind of put out right amongst something they chose of like five different trailers. And yeah, they chose I was this. Say, there was several different trailers that were made, right? So they could have missed something. I get it. I just I, I can't. We're not really kind of talking about the fact that how obvious it is that something was taking out. Well, then why would they put that in there? You know what I mean? Here's what I think. This is my conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. I think that they're trying to build this up so that there's so much of this uncertainty with, with people being like, ha basically having this exact conversation we're having. There right is now. nobody. I'm the only one asking this. <laughs> you have no, to admit that. No, there. I mean, people have been talking all week about this, you know, like saying, oh, this is. This is for sure, you know, just the 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 absolute evidence that they're going to be in it, right? Look what look, lizards getting punched here, you know. Peter's swinging in here all all by himself. This is this is absolutely the proof, and and I think that they're doing all this on purpose because I think that they want all this to be happening. They want to be stirring up the fan base like this, and they're not going to show peep about it beforehand so that when it actually does happen in the movie, it's going to be a people jumping out of their seats reaction, just like what happened in Endgame when Cap picked up Mjolnir. I mean, I agree I with that. I think that's what I, they're trying to do. I think it's very, 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 very smart that if they're indeed in this movie to reserve it for the movie theater experience. I mean, that's... I mean, I agree. And just, and it, but, but also, like, if you really want that feeling... Your ass better be in that fucking seat opening night. Opening night because it's people are gonna spoil <laughs> the fuck out of it. Absolutely, you better be there opening night first showing, because otherwise you're gonna hear about it instantly. You're gonna try to you're gonna delete all your apps and somehow the 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 Apple News app on your phone that's just installed that you don't ever think about is gonna come across the screen and it says confirmed all three Spider Man show up in the movie you're like what the fuck <laughs> well and they're getting it, you know they're getting it 48 hours before us across the pond so like Jeez. that week it's just I'm not even gonna be opening any of my social media apps fuck that's that's too early but see that's that's another reason why. If that if that's what you're saying is true, that's another reason why I don't think it'll be effective if 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 that's the case because I think that well no, there's too many eyes to see it to not to not confirm it you know there's there's just too much and and if and if you want to call, say that it, it's it was it was for hype, there's has there been a more hyped movie than this since I mean of course Endgame but I don't know man. No, the the fervor that's been built up around this is is huge. Fervor is such a great word here. Yeah, I love it. it well, and it's the perfect way to describe what's going that's on what here I'm because saying. people are people are going absolutely Spider Man nuts enough. right now. Yeah, man, the word hype doesn't 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 touch the surface of what what what's going on <laughs> with this movie. And fervor is a great word. I love it. So, yeah, um, and it's pretty wild considering how much MCU we've gotten in twenty twenty one. And it I mean, is. this is this is like, you know, several deep <laughs> in, in brand new MCU stuff that we've got this year. And for the hype to well, be this, is this MCU huge adjacent, on it. So. 
Just letting you know, this is MCU adjacent. <laughs> like I said, don't don't forget when when far from when Homecoming came out, you would say, well, there's been two MCU movies here, and then there's three comic book movies if you call count Spider Man. Like people would have those conversations. Yeah, I don't make that distinction. I I, I say these ones that are done anymore. by Marvel Studios and and they fit in with 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 the rest of them they're referencing events and the rest of it they're mcu you movies anymore but you used to i'm telling you you used to <laughs> because there wasn't there was a time where we all didn't think this was just automatic mcu that's that's the only thing i'm saying from my from my mind ever since homecoming i'm like yeah that that's in there mm-hmm. but like i wouldn't like okay l- let's say that we do get you know these other spider-men you know we do get toby and andrew in this next movie i'm not gonna then say that you know, all oh, those other movies are now. It's like they're they're in a multiverse that's connected to the MCU, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, and I kind of like the idea that that leaves the door open that any MCU character in any movie that we've seen from here on out could be referenced as part of the multiverse, and that's really cool and it's kind of meta in a way because it brings in these things that a lot of people in your audience base you know might be familiar with. Speaking of which. At some point, they're gonna to have to rein this 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 multiverse in. Have you thought about that? Because at some point, it's gonna to get too much. Well, at yeah, some... just like the same way they did it in the comics, right? With Secret right. Wars. Well, sure, and, and then countless other times, like DC, the Crisis, Final Crisis. How many different crises we got? You know what I mean? <laughs> lots how many of, lots of crises going on in DC? Yeah, exactly. It's all crazy. I mean, DC is in crisis. Let's just let's, let's put it that way. But, um, I. <sighs> At some point, there's going to have to be a character that literally goes around and ties off these multiverses. So that's a storyline that they're probably building towards too. And and Captain Britain is is one of those those people, by the way, that are in charge of like tying up the multiverses and tying them off. And we've already seen spoilers again for Eternals, the end credit scene where you have the the Black Knight. And Blade comes in and asks the Black Knight if he's ready for this. The only time those two characters really interact in all of comics is in a storyline called MI-16, Captain Britain and MI-16. And what that – are you familiar with this? No. So what this is is Captain Britain, who's been referenced in the MCU before, uh, Braddock. Remember in Endgame um, when – uh, Cap goes back in time and he, he sees Peggy mm-hmm. in, in the in the window and she's on the phone and she says Captain Braddock. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Captain Britain has been referenced in the MCU. So Captain Britain is, is by the way, holding Excalibur, by the way. So Excalibur exists in the MCU now, right? Thanks to the Eternals. Yep, that's true. So there you go. Makari so had it on the ship, right? Exactly. And she's got the green the green tablet too, the emerald tablet too. And what's the emerald tablet supposed to do? It's a um Oh my god, I read about this. It's there's not much of it in the actual comics. It's just like an actual historical, not historical, but like a mythological thing where it's like all the knowledge of the world is written in this tablet. And uh the author of it is is somebody that you would probably know because you're much more intelligent and learned than I am, but it's somebody that transcribed all the knowledge of the world into this tablet, and that's I I also believe that's going to come into play somewhere in the MCU. But anyway, so you've got Captain Britain, 
donning uh, Excalibur, and you've got Blade and Black Knight, and they're in London, which, by the way, is where Cersei and Dane Whitman are in the Eternals. And they are fighting. They are in charge. They're the military intelligence branch of of uh, the UK that are their sole job is to fight off paranormal things. So, to me, that sounds like a shit ton of fun. Watching the Black Knight and Blade, and maybe even Captain Britain, forming a team to fight off paranormal because we already see. In Shang-Chi, we see literally a gateway to another dimension filled with demons. Yeah. Right? So that exists there. We we know that, that that's there. You know, we see the dark magic and the dark powers from WandaVision. So all of these, like, weird portals that are starting to open up and stuff, they're going to have to deal with it. And that's the same thing that – that's the, that's what led – originally led me to read that series of, of, on Mount Wondergore where Wanda gets possessed by, by the dark hold. It's that book is, is the thing that opens up these portals and allows these, like these demonic dark things to come to our world. And, you know, some of those demonic dark things might be vampires. So I don't know, man, like to me, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, you know, would that is the, would that like werewolf character fit into that? I can't think of his name yes. right now. Yeah, Jack. Well, <laughs> the character's name is Jack Russell. Jack Russell. Jack Russell. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's werewolf by night. Yeah, werewolf by night. Yeah, I've heard absolutely. that mentioned several times, and it's, yeah. that's a great Supposedly, title. There was a rumor six months ago that they cast somebody already for that. I don't know, but but yes, Marvel monsters are rumored to be coming. That's exciting. Yes, that's what I, I'm so re- – that's the part of the MCU that I'm the most ready for, to watch Mahershala Ali as Blade fucking up some werewolves and mummies and vampires. Like that's so much fun to me. Like I, I can't wait to get to that. But the whole reason I brought that up is that Captain Britain is actually charged at some in the comic books, in the Spider-Verse, as uh, as somebody that, that goes around and ties up loose – multiverse openings oh cool yeah so i think that somewhere down the line like like phase six like they're gonna have fun with this multiverse thing and then i think like phase six they're gonna say okay enough like we're shutting this thing down going back to basics and we opened it up a long enough to bring in all these things that that we hadn't brought in yet like the x-men and like fantastic four and whatever things that are unexplainable why these things weren't around during Thanos, they use the multiverse to bring all the characters they want in, and then they shut it back down because it just gets overwhelming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you just said, oh, yeah, every character is, is in play. And then, oh, don't worry if that guy dies. Just there's a, ba- a bajillion more of them out there that we can bring into this universe. <laughs> right? And then even with the Eternals, like they already showed they make carbon copies of all these people. Right. So not only do does Gilgamesh exist in multiple universes, but he also exists in multiples in this universe. Yeah. That's that's just messy. <laughs> yeah, you think just all of his memories from his time on Earth would be lost and gone, maybe. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. But you're right, we do need some more of him. Oh yeah, he was so charismatic and he was funny and Whoops. his power was fucking awesome. He was also my favorite part of Train to Busan, so. Oh, yeah, that's still on my list to watch. 
mean, I've, like, I've heard very, nothing very good, good things about it. it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, say, oh my God, it's amazing. You know, it, it was a very good zombie movie. Nice. Yes. I highly recommend Korean it. Korean cinema's killing it. Man, they are killing it. I, I already, I, you already know Hollywood's, you know, sent people. <laughs> They have like a camp in in, in in Korea now. You know what I mean? They're like fine talent. And, and get, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's clearly tons of talent there. You know, I mean, this this Squid Game was a was a sensation, you know, and I still have to and, watch that, too. I mean, it's uh, it's it was an enjoyable watch. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it's it's another one that I haven't heard anything bad about. It's just. Yeah, for, I mean, for me, it always comes down to how much free time do I have. It's like fuck, not not near as much as I'd like. <laughs> I don't know though, Joe. I'm gonna have to. I don't know. Sometimes I have to call bullshit on some of this because I hear tons of people talking on different podcasts about you know what they watch, and, and to me, your your list just grows and never shrinks. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, like I, I maybe at some point are you not putting effort into to, to this cuz I'm starting to question that. <laughs> well, I just recently got um uh Apple TV Plus and That's so it. I'm I'm all caught up on Ted Lasso now and I fucking love Ted Lasso. So as soon as I finished season 2, I restarted and watched the entire two seasons again. Really? Oh, I love Ted Lasso so much. Wow. Every episode makes me like cry in like happy tears. Dude, imagine watching that at like the height of the pandemic. No, right. The rest of us did like when we needed it. Like it just, <laughs> it's just, I mean, cathartic. that was lightning in the bottle for, for him. And it was just the perfect timing for, for, I mean, it was just, just a, a, a season one is clearly more like this than season two, but I mean, it's just so much positivity in the face of like, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. Well, I, uh, you know, and just has a quip to come back about how that doesn't matter. And I'm just having a good time. Like, God damn, like that's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, season two's definitely got some some darker stuff in it. With, so do you with, feel like talking briefly about the end of season two? Yeah, alert? yeah, let's do some spoilers for Ted Lasso then, too. Oh, my God, what? And I, I messaged Paul. I'm sure Paul, like, I don't, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm no, sure Paul, Paul heard from me about this, too. About, about Ted Lasso, <laughs> but, like, I was like, dude, I, I can't, I, I hate to question the writing of this show because it's just been nothing but but bullseye, bullseye, bullseye everywhere I turn. But this, this is this I question. You know, even oh, the really? reveal was cheesy. You, you wait, wait. You, you thought you liked it? I mean, I didn't. I didn't like the turn that Nate's character took, uh-huh. and and it does seem to be quite a jump from even where he was at at the end of season one. But for the way that they're writing him in season two, it does seem like kind of a, a natural progression, and I think they're setting it up. So that, you know, this new team that that Nate is now the head coach of that, you know, that's the team that they're going to have to beat to, you know, win their big game that they're going to have to win. Because didn't they say how many seasons do they have mapped out for this? That I couldn't tell you. Okay, I was thinking that that they've only got a couple more seasons in mind for it. And so it kind of feels like, okay, so now they're. They're setting this up as is a villain character and they're probably going to let him be a villain for a little bit. And then eventually you know, hopefully he's going to come back around and have some sort of, you know, we need to have some sort of cathartic finish with Nate yeah, because does that, he was so does, likable in the first season. You I know. know. So does that seem like Ted Lasso loving writing when you just describe the, the plot of Mighty Ducks 3? 
You know what I mean? Like I, I don't. <laughs> I never saw three. <laughs> well, neither did I. But I can just assume that ah! that's the good guy turned bad. And now we have to fight him in the final match. Like I, oh, that is that doesn't seem like Ted Lasso level writing here. And I, I was, I was just, and, and like you said, like it was a leap from season one to season two. And I, I know that they, they, they built him up throughout the season to, to, I mean, but his actions just didn't make any sense to me. And, and then of course, you know, he's all gray hair and he just does the turnaround reveal. And I don't know, man, I don't get that because I thought he was one of the more lovable characters in season one. He was very lovable in season one. And, and it's kind of an, I, I still think that there is room for redemption for his character because yeah. clearly throughout season two, like they have twice, they have him looking at himself in the mirror and spitting on himself. Yeah. What? And, in and, the and fuck? He's, he grew, he grew up with a fucking dad that mm-hmm. is impossible to please. And for mm-hmm. some reason he's still obsessed with trying to please him when he knows that there's no pleasing this guy. And so then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he meets Ted uh, Ted takes this big place in his heart. He builds it up into something that is it's like if he was having all these feelings before he blew up on Ted in, in that last episode, if he was having all those feelings throughout the season, why wasn't he going and having this conversation with Ted? It was like he built all these things up in his head to the point where it was he was like a pressure cooker ready to explode by the time they finally talked in that last episode. Yeah. And it was yeah, like, a lot of the shit he was saying was completely out of line. And you know, I, I, I just feel like this is they they got to make him be a bad guy before, you know, we can we can kind of let him back in. But did they have to go down this path is my question. I don't really I don't know. We'll have to wait and see to when the story is all said and done. Yeah. I mean, yes, I do like the ending of season one better than the ending of season two, just because the ending of season one you know, it's it's got the the heartache of them, you know, rallying and then still losing mm-hmm. and and and, you know, the relegation and all that stuff. But right. but it's you know, it ends on an on an uphill beat. You know, Rebecca tells Ted, you know, you're gonna be back for next season. It's kind of funny with Ted drinking water and spitting it all in your face and stuff. So it kind of <laughs> ends on an upbeat, whereas this one, it, it definitely ends with a sad note. It's fucking heartbreaking to see the believe sign ripped in half, especially after that was the thing that all the characters rallied around. And then Mm -hmm. that was the thing that Nate chose to destroy because in his mind, I'm sure he thinks that, Oh, the the only reason you guys won is because of my play eventually worked and and you guys won and and you're all going to blame it and, 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 you know, give this guy the credit and all that. And it's like, look, Nate, you might be, you know, a, a, a tactical genius when it comes to coming up for plays for, for football and stuff, but you, are a fucking broken human being right now that you don't know the proper way to treat people. And until you know the proper way to treat people, you're never going to be a good leader ever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how smart you are. If you yourself are not worthy of respect, you, you, you can't be a leader. You're just, you're not cut out for it until you have the, the sort of maturity and mental growth to recognize that treating people in a toxic way never leads to anything good. It only leads to resentment. And in in a team atmosphere, resentment has no place there. And so that's where ultimately I think Ted is really right. It doesn't matter that he knows, doesn't know anything about soccer. All that matters is that he's passionate about coaching. It's like what he says in the very first episode of the first season. Like, you know, he may not know a lot about soccer, but he knows a lot about being a coach and, and doing 
what needs to be done to help these young men, you know, realize the best potential of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, that's something that Nate doesn't know fucking jack shit about. Yeah, it just, it just. First of all, I'm not buying the transition at all. Like, I, don't, I, don't, you know what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm not. It just happened too that, fast. Yeah, it's just, it just. I just don't, don't think the character that he was in season one, and, and I don't even mean like his traits. Like everything that you said makes perfect sense. I just don't believe that in that period of time where they didn't show it well, that he made the, the, the transition to this like just literally evil person and. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. I, I just. I, I'm questioning the the thing, and I, and I hate to question that show because it's genius. You know what I mean? I I, I feel wrong by questioning, and, and I am probably because, like you said, let's see what happens in season three, and it might all have a payoff. But I'm just not buying it. You know, I, I don't know how you feel about the movie, the Joker movie, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, still strong on my boat boycott. I've not watched it. Okay. Oh, really? I didn't know there was a boycott. <laughs> I remember a long time ago, I think it was an animated Batcast episode, and it was when I first found out that they, they were tying it in to to the to actual like Batman yeah. characters. Yeah. Because at first I thought it was just going to be Yeah, and it sounded completely unnecessary. And I listen I listened to my friends' podcasts. You know, it mm-hmm. didn't matter to me that I didn't see this movie. I listened to all them talk about it. I heard, you know, glowing reviews from some and, and other people somewhat lackluster, but I, I don't care. I, I Someday I'll probably watch it just just for just to see, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's performance and stuff in it. But it's not something that I've been, you know, all that excited to see. I had lots of people in my life tell me, like, dude, you got to watch Gotham. You got to watch Gotham. You got to watch Gotham. I'm like, I'm not watching Got Ham. I I don't fucking care about it's an Elseworlds story. That's great. If I want to read an Elseworlds story, I'll pick up a good comic book. I'll read Gotham by Gaslighter or or Red Sun or something like that. I'm not Mm going to watch fucking Gotham. It's it's not going to happen. I I commend the people who love that show and I don't want to shit in their cereal, but it's not for me. Yeah, I I can't recommend that level of. And I'm not here to shit on like the CW or whatever the hell the network it was you shit on. Shit away on the CW. It sucks ass now. It started yeah. first couple seasons of Arrow and the Flash were pretty good, and then man, it went down the toilet fast. I just can't. I can't rave about something that's going to be on that show to somebody that is so like into comic book movies. I I, I can't do it now. If I'm just some average schmuck and they're like, hey, yeah, what's on Netflix? I'm like, oh, check this out, like cool. But like somebody who's this balls deep into like comic book lore and mcu and 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 the dcu and all that stuff i'm not gonna rave about a cw show that's just not gonna happen but the reason why i brought up joke joker was because ted lasso was what nine episodes or ten episodes for season two uh 12 episodes in season two was it really 12 my goodness okay so they had all that time and uh, you know what are they they're not an hour long are they yeah they're kind of like 45 minutes like 45 55 minutes kind of in that range i think so let's talk let's say out of 12 episodes let's say eight hours of film just roughly they had eight hours to to develop this and i don't think that they did it accurately i don't think they did it well but you've got two hours in this joker movie now granted i went to see it with my wife who is mental health nurse and she's not a comic book person at all she's just just I was like, ah, just not my thing. I don't I don't bother going to see. But she saw this movie with me, and there, there's one thing that that you have to agree, you have to admit when you watch this movie, is that they made this transition 
unbelievable. They, they, this, this, this guy who was just this guy that had mental health issues that needed things that couldn't, he couldn't get because the system or whatever the case may be. And he, he, he goes down, he goes down this descent and you watch it and there's no leaps in it. It all flows to where from, from that point to the final scene, it flows and I buy it step by step by step. And that's the example I will will use from now on. That'll be my example on how you show a character transitioning from somebody who's not necessarily lovable, but just a common folk into somebody that's just evil. And that's the only reason why I bring it up because Ted Lasso had all that time to make me believe that Nate was capable of the things that we saw him do in the, in the final episode. And I don't think they did it effectively. And I'm not here to shit on Ted Lasso because I think it's fantastic. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I just was very confused about that, that, that 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 path but it's not yeah, for me I think I was... that's fair because i i do feel like even though you know they did stretch it out throughout the full season and you know it, it didn't start off heavy and you could definitely tell that as the episodes go on you know nate gets progressively more resentful and i think there's also different things that happen in each of those episodes that kind of build onto it to where it's mm. it's getting to the point where it's like he's feeling like he's not getting the respect that, that he justly deserves. And then, you know, he kisses Keely. And then when he comes clean to Roy about it, Roy's like, it doesn't even matter. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you said you wanted to kill Jamie. And Jamie just said that he loved her. And he's like, it's, it's fine. Because, you know, Roy's saying, like, you, you are not you competition for me. Yeah, you don't matter. You're not competition mm-hmm. for me. And Nate was feeling like, you know, like, oh, I'm... I'm I'm the the guy that the you know Ted raised up from from just being the the kit guy and now I'm on I'm one of the coaches and then by I think it's the fourth episode you know he makes Roy a coach and so that's mm-hmm. you know in Nate's mind now he's feeling like you know they're not talking about him so much in the papers they're calling it the Roy Kent effect on the team and then mm-hmm. I think by the time that funeral happens and when Rupert's walking away you see him stop and say something to Nate and I, so I think Rupert got into his ear also and was saying, you know, you we both, you know, everybody in this town knows that Ted Lasso isn't shit and you're the brains behind the operation and you're never going to get your due there. So why don't you come and be my head coach and, you know, together we can we can destroy, you know, Richmond and Ted Lasso. I, I really think that Rupert has a lot to do with this. No, absolutely. And, you know, he knew what he was doing when he, when he gave her the shares, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. You make some good points there. Like there was one to us seemingly innocent small step in each episode that for him was like this really slap, big slap in the face. And I just think that the only people that matter in this situation is us, the audience. And you can tell me that the character was doing this, you know, behind the scenes all along. And that's great. But you need to convey that to me. You know what I mean? Like I needed to 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 be really told that how that impacted him, how Keely, you know, him kissing Keely and you know her getting re- him, her rejecting him first of all, because you know of course she's going to reject him. I mean that's that's just the way it is. But in the moment, you might think that it might go a different way, and it doesn't. And I need to see that impact. Like, 
I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but <laughs> but but I, I was just very very confused. I, I love the show, and I love almost. I mean, you want to talk about quality programming like Apple TV Plus, whatever it is, whatever it's called. Like, I mean, they are like pound for pound the best streaming network. It's cheap too. It's only four ninety nine a month. It's very cheap. I mean, the content level is low. But but I'm telling you, every single thing they put out is high quality, and even the misses are at least done cinema cinematic. What you know, like just movie level is, is what I'm talking about here. And yeah, I, I mean, even the you know the Mythic Quest is. I mean, they've got. That's my next one on my list to start. Dude, well, I'm probably going to flip a coin between For All Mankind and Mythic Quest because hmm. they're There's, such very different shows, and I really want to watch both of them. What's the last one you did, Ted Lasso? Ted Lasso. It's the only so go Apple to, TV Go to All Mankind. Like, okay. And then have a palate cleanser with <laughs> Mythic Quest. You know what I'm gotcha. saying? Like heavy light, heavy light. You know what I mean? But, but I, man, there is I, – I, I'm pretty sure it either got nominated or won, but there's an episode in season one of Mythic Quest that like had me thinking and, and, and feeling things that – I'm not the kind. I'm not the kind of guy that sits there and, and tears up in movies. I'm, I'm not. Oh. I don't. I don't know why. I, I I feel the emotions. I I'm not. I'm not a robot, but I just don't. I almost started crying in our last episode when I was telling you about the the DC Universe Rebirth comic with Barry <laughs> Allen really and Wally West. One. Yeah, I mean, I should. <laughs> well, shit. The way you described it was actually pretty moving, and I'm surprised that I haven't picked it up yet because that. The way you said it was like, oh, damn, that sounds really like heartbreaking and like, you know, I I, I don't know. I, oh, I don't incredible. blame you on that one. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, there's this episode that happens in this and it's completely out of nowhere and, and really uh, you'll see it when you see it. But I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? And I'm thinking about it and it's affecting me all day. And I'm like, you got this show by the people from always sending the Philadelphia that you could never see as anybody else again. I'm sorry. I hate to say that, but they're doing a show about a fucking video game. And right in the middle of the season, they have this episode and it's like, what the fuck? Like I'm rethinking shit. I'm sad. I'm happy. I'm thinking about the past. And I'm like, dude, Apple TV, wait, wait till I would like, when you see the episode, I really would like you to message me. And you'll know when you know. When you when you see it, you'll know. You'll know. And if anybody's listening that's that's seen the show, they they know the episode I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll for sure I'll I'll for sure message you after it then. Please, please do. So I'm excited for you to, to be able to just gobble up that content because I've never seen C, but I've heard good things. I've heard good things about that. Um I've heard that Foundation is really good. I'm looking forward uh, to that. I would like to you know, when you start that, message me. Sure. I wouldn't mind going on that journey with you because it seems like it's something that's going to be invoked. Apparently, they said something about it's an eight-season thing. Oh, wow. I'm not saying they're greenlit for it. I'm just saying that that's what the story is. So if that's true, it's apparently we're in for a journey here. Uh, Wheel you know? of Time just dropped also. I've never read the books, but, yeah. but I'm only... excited to watch it. Yeah, I I don't I'm not very familiar with the property. Like I said, I, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything else about it. What's the What's the synopsis on that? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> Something about it's like a fantasy epic that is like multi generational, 
and and it like kind of centers around like like uh women who are really powerful with magic something like that oh okay um, yeah i i um i don't know i'm i'm i've heard nothing but praise for the for the series but for whatever reason it's just i've i've never gotten around to reading it but like several different people in my life whose opinions like on that sort of stuff I really trust have, have all said wheel of time is fucking amazing. Okay. And, and kind of the early stuff I'm hearing so far about the series is that, you know, it's the, the, the book fanatics are, are pretty pleased with what they're seeing. And from somebody who definitely, you know, appreciates the, the written word. Um, I'm a big fan of, of when they, they translate it into a, a visual film or TV medium and and they you know they still stay faithful to that like you know like the the new dune movie did a good job of that but they just didn't really go to pains to tell you anything they were showing you right I, i've heard you speak about it before that that you some people someone that hasn't read the book like me and you watch the movie and then you go back and read the book a lot of little subtleties would be like, oh, that's the reason. Th- those, all those things had a reason that they were there. Yeah. And they said it without actually saying it, which is kind of cool. I've been like, kicking around almost... the idea of, of putting together a podcast episode that is just a like a commentary companion that goes with that movie. Oh, Where wow. it's like, like, you, like, like you play and Dune and hit play on this episode at the same time. And yeah. I will go through and explain all this shit that you're seeing like – like, oh, you see where this guy's eyes do that? He's a Mentat. A Mentat is a human computer. They had to come up with these because there was a war thousands of years before against the thinking machines. And oh, I so, love it. So computers were it. outlawed. And so, you know, there was this school that was created to, to you know, increase mental proficiency to the point where human minds are actually far more efficient than than the ancient computers. And Because they, they explain they none of that. They, they tell you none of that. You just see through for how its eyes go white for a sec, and then he rattles off some sum. And it's like, well, that's all we get for Mentats. And then Paul's also a Mentat, and that goes into why he's so aloof and cold, is because in a in a way, he, he reads the world around him as just incoming data sets. And then when you add in prophecy to it, he's like sorting and categorizing through all this, and he's seeing every potential future. And you know, it's fucking wild. The way the way that it all lays it out in the book is amazing, but with so much of the book being inner monologue, it's hard to translate to the film. Or it's hard to translate to the screen. You know, they they tried it in the in the nineteen eighty four one that, you know, David Lynch has tried to distance himself from. And the inner monologue in that was fucking weird. <laughs> Are you actually thinking about doing this though, this Dune thing? Yeah, I got I got notes written for the first half hour of the movie so far. Oh man, that's so just you talking. Yeah, probably that's all it'll be. Oh, I'm into this because I haven't seen the movie and I keep telling myself I want to see it in IMAX, but I probably think I missed that already. <laughs> yeah, maybe this weekend I'll, I'll push myself to get those finished. I would, I don't think I actually have anything else on the schedule, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I know that you're you're, you're back to back to back with these star casts. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. It's it's amazing what a spreadsheet can do. <laughs> <laughs> what a little were we speaking about this off air, talking about compartmentalizing things and writing stuff down and making it tangible? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah I was I like make a spreadsheet and just put it on the board. But uh, <laughs> it's 
especially since he's on the West Coast, and Neil's on the West Coast, my co-host, by the way, of Smorgasbord, uh, available on all, all your, your podcasts, uh, platforms. Uh, oh, I was, that video, or video, that episode you guys had with that Star Wars actor, where you interviewed him, that was one of the most entertaining podcast episodes I've ever listened to. Absolutely. Did you just say Star Wars? I love it. I love I, did it. Did I? If that yes, was a total slip then, because in my mind I was thinking Star Trek. We, we've we've uh, we've interviewed two actors. We interviewed one that was on a Discovery episode, and then we interviewed one that was on the Enterprise episode from the late '90s, early 2000s. That the was doctor. the dude, Doctor. Yeah, yeah he, that guy. Isn't he? Isn't he wonderful? Like he started off berating me right off the bat. <laughs> uh john oh, billingsley guy, yes john billingsley that guy was yeah. what an amazing podcast guest he, like he was he's great to talk to and, and neil's got his personal information so anytime we can reach out to him and <laughs> yeah he he was fun he was like he, he just kept interrupting he's like yeah hey, enough about you schmucks what about me <laughs> oh and and you were telling me before that i needed to watch the the next generation episode inner light oh yeah, yeah. have you done that yet i did you did see it. I did. I just watched oh, it earlier shit. today. Oh, <laughs> I was re-listening to our episode, and you said it, and I was like, fuck, I still haven't watched that. And so I watched it right after work. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Why didn't you tell me? That could have been the whole two hours of this damn podcast. We still got time ahead of us, my Instead friend. Instead of me rambling on about fucking <laughs> Spider-Man and how much I don't think it's going to be good and no Tobies and all this bullshit, I could have been talking about something important. We can get there. We can get that. I fucking enjoyed the shit out of the episode. I mean, I, I kind of knew it was going to happen, you know, because we talked about it and, you know, that Teen Titans Go episode had kind of riffed on it. Right. But what a great fucking episode, man. I really, really enjoyed it. Okay, good. You're not just saying that because, you know. No. I well, I told you before, dude, I was enjoying watching season one and season two of Next Generation. Dude, if you enjoy those seasons, then Jesus, because those seasons are some of the most of those are rough. There are definitely some gems in there. Of course, the very first episode is a gem. Encounter of Farpoint is a, is a fantastic episode. Yeah. But I mean, and there's a, I think Measure of Man is in season two, right? Yes. Where Date is on trial, you know, whether I think that's season two. Don't don't yeah, hold me to that, but no, it is, it is season two. I I I, just, I didn't know if it was two or three, but I'm pretty positive it was season two. So there are definitely some hard hard hitting gems in there. But I mean, inner light for me, that's top five. I mean, that's and it's weird because it doesn't have anything to do with anything else. It's a very self contained episode. Very self contained. You almost don't yeah. need to know anything about Star Trek. To and watch that why, episode and, that's and enjoy that's why I it. recommended it to you. Like, I, I want I, I want people to, that don't know anything about Star Trek to realize that, that these are real actors that are capable of, like, pretty moving shit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. This this isn't just some stupid space adventure. Like, I mean, this is a serious thing. You, you, you encounter a culture. Spoilers for Inner Light. You encounter a culture, you know, that, that has been dead for millennia. And the only way they can even prove that they ever existed, because they have no contact with outside worlds or, or capability of travel, but for somehow they're 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 aware enough to know that they're not alone in the universe. And they just launch this probe out there that hopefully gets discovered someday. And I don't know like the the, the morality behind this because. I mean, they're I basically know. kidnapping somebody from their life, well, forcing them to live a false, them. like Truman Show type life, almost. Well, let's let's not. I mean, it's. I don't. How do you recover from that? Thinking you live a lifetime with something, dude. That's what and, I was thinking too. Like you come back, and it's like, is it almost like that scene in Two Towers where you're like, 
Gandalf. They used to call me Gandalf. <laughs> like, I expect him to be like, they used to call me Captain Picard. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. really unreasonable that I, th- I think you, you see a scene where he's like walking down the halls at the very end, I think. He's in his room and he just looks so out of place in there. Like, he's look, walking around like. And then when Riker comes in, he even like Picard even says, like, I'm having a hard time accepting that, you know, this oh, is no, my no, real home. Take- I think it would take months and months of therapy. Oh, it would have to take months and months of therapy. Just to get acclimated to, like, just everything again. Like, literally how to, like, how these computers work. Because, of course, he lives in the society that they don't have any disadvantage. Well, he just spent, like, what, fucking 60 years, 70 years or something like that somewhere else. And now he's going to pop back right back and suddenly remember everything and be right on top of everything you need to do to be captain of a starship? Yeah, I don't know. Unless there's some kind of thing built in if, if you're a probe and you're that advanced yeah there's a, there's a buffer in there, right to wipe it all off and, and 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 reset your brain to where you were before you encountered the probe possibly i don't know but i mean there's definitely some ethics involved in, in what they did but nonetheless well, well, the there's got to be ethics in it to make you think that you have children that you yeah. love and in and, and grandchild that you love and everything and then to find out that none of that's real oh and in the moment you find out it's real we're going to whisk you back to your old life Oh, and, and here's a flute so you can play it and cry, remembering about your dead, not real family. <laughs> it's kind of dark in a way. Wow. Yeah, it, it is dark. It, it and, and, you know, it's funny because you can look at a lot of stories like that on Next Gen or probably all of Star Trek and be like, oh, this is a cool, playful, cute episode. And you're like, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> let's let's put this into perspective here. You know, like is this morally correct like should you be doing this and i know this is a fun fun adventure but let's let's talk about the implications here and it's actually like referenced later in like some of those shows that that me and neil are referencing on smorgasbord like they do flashbacks not flashbacks but like callbacks to, to things and they make fun of it you know for the 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 theme of the original series and of course into next gen is they go to these planets they they assist them whatever planetary con planet wide conflict uh, crisis that they have there solve the problem and then move on and never check on them again <laughs> they're good yeah everything's good yeah we're good and then you know so so lower decks particularly is a show that that, that pokes fun on that whole problem with that. You know, never going back and saying, hey, we got all the pollution out, but are you still like just polluting the planet? Like, have you have you changed your ways here? (laughs) Well, dude, I'm glad you liked Inner Light, man. I I, was one of my favorite episodes. Um, Loved it. Great recommendation. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Um, If you want one a little more sci fi. Yeah. Hit me. Let me. uh, Darmok, I think, is the name of Tarmok at Jalad. Um, it's about communication and working together and blah, blah, blah. But I want to make sure that I'm giving you the right name uh, of, of the episode. I, I, it, Darmok, I think, is, is either Darmok at Jalad or just Darmok, I think, is the name of the episode. You know, just D-A-R-M-O-K, something like that. Okay. Um, Darmok. It's a little... It's 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 not like sci-fi sci-fi. It's it's definitely pretty much another self-contained episode with oh, cool. a little bit more, a little bit more like 
you know, interaction with like an alien race, but whatever. I, I try that one as like your next step. Not you don't have to know anything to know anything to watch that that episode. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I got that one written down. Darmok. I'll check it out. Darmok. I think that's it. Uh, even if you if it's not right, if you type in Darmok Star Trek, it, they'll point you in the right direction. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. What are those things the internet's good for? Yeah, there's a lot of good. I mean, I my 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 wife always talks about how she abuses Google. You know, gives gives Google impossible tasks. But man, <laughs> you, you got to give you got to give it up for this shit because they they find it. I don't know. I don't know who who they are. I don't know what they're doing back there, but they find it. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know how you got there from what I typed, but but fucking Mazeltov, like you you did it, man. Like like maybe I had to scroll down three or four places, but I didn't even have to go to page two, and I found what I needed. Billions of dollars company, right? Who'd have thunk? <laughs> Can you right. imagine the alternate universe where like Ask Jeeves? Is is the Google? It's the one that won. I love, I love when Paul Hart says that he's going to ask Jeeves. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. If if that was the search engine or the alternate world where I don't have to fucking accidentally use Bing all the time. Oh my god, I'm so mad when I when I type something into search. I'm like, oh, Bing results. No, I'm like, are you Bing? Who asked for Bing? <laughs> where are you getting this from? Uh, oh, because I have a Microsoft product. Okay, I, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But like, even you should know better that I want I want Google. I loved Bing's map feature because they really? had they had like you could switch to satellite view, and then you know most of them when you do satellite view, it's just like a straight down look, and so you get no real idea of what the contour of the ground is. Well, Bing Maps had a feature where you could look at the ground from like an angle and so then you could really get a, an idea of like what the ground is shaped like like the actual like real topography of what you're yeah, looking at topography you're talking about yeah and so when back when we used to be constantly scouring through trying to find you know good limestone bluffs in iowa to go rock climbing on like i was saying before you know 99 percent of the land in iowa is privately owned and so you find these really good limestone bluffs, and then it becomes a question of, okay, now who owns this? And let's go, you know, let's go approach them in a really nice and friendly manner and see if they're okay with us going for a hike. If they're okay for a hike, maybe they're going to be okay with us climbing. And and a lot of times they would be because Iowa, a lot of people in Iowa are pretty fucking great, nice people, especially when you get to like the farmers and stuff, just really, really good people. And, you know, we would... uh use that Bing maps as like a real good resource to like do online scouting of like, you know, you'd see something from the road and you'd be like, that might be good back there, but you can't just go hike it. Cause you don't know who owns it. Okay. Let's yeah. do some online reconnaissance. Oh yeah. You can see from this angle right here, you can totally tell there's a limestone bluff tucked back there. And then you'd zoom out and start counting farmhouses around there and make a list of all of them and then just go drive out there on some random Saturday and start knocking on doors. So, Shit, man. So that's where that's Bing the, Maps lives in my heart. <laughs> wow, that's the first person I ever heard anybody have like a positive thing about Bing. That's, hey. <laughs> I knew there was a reason that, that it existed and I'm really glad that you found use for it. Yeah, really the Maps am. function was the shit. It'd be weird though because you'd like switch it, you know, so you'd be looking like dead west 
And so you'd like hit the rotate view button. So then you'd be looking dead north and it would go from like fall pictures to like summer pictures, you know, just depending on when, like, you know, the satellite pictures were taken that they're referencing for all this. Yeah. Sometimes that'd be really weird <laughs> you know, because it'd be like large squares of the map are green. Others, others are like, you know, winter and it's white mm-hmm. and some are, mm-hmm. like, you know, fall colors. And, you know, I never thought so it wasn't about perfect, that. but I never thought about that, too, because, you know, I usually live in the south you know all my life where things are basically the same color all the time yeah but that'd be be weird weird that all of a sudden like you said like one's just full of flowers and the next thing is just dead twigs and and ice like (laughs) that's what what it's like god that'd be a trip living somewhere there where there's not really much of a change in the seasons yeah man that's that's pretty much my whole life i mean i went from florida to vegas you know, 15 years, no, 20 years in Florida and then, you know, 10 years in Vegas. And there's not, you know, even if there was seasons in Vegas, it wouldn't matter. It's all, it's just fucking gray rocks and shit. So it's not like <laughs> the rocks are going to change colors. You know what I mean? They're, they've been there for millions of years in the same fucking color. So, yeah. And then I moved around between like, you know, Alabama, Texas, Louisiana. And then now I'm in, in Tennessee and now in Tennessee, I'm getting some leaves changing and it's really beautiful, but this is my first experience really with it. So I, I like it. How I, long I'm have you been in Tennessee then? Uh, almost. Oh, just over two years. Okay. Yeah. What's the coldest um, like winter temps you've gotten so far? Uh, yeah, I don't think you've got anything less than 20. Well, that's legit freezing cold. So you've probably seen snow and stuff like that then. Yeah. It snowed. It's still very pretty heavy. Um, February, li- li- like a month before the world shut down, like February, like fifteenth or sixteenth or something. It started with some like flakes, and like, of course we go out and take pictures, and like, oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden, it just like it dropped, and like just just like teacup saucer type like size flakes just floating <laughs> down i'm like god damn did you own a snow shovel no <laughs> Fuck no i know joe no if i ever 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 have to go out to shop for a snow shovel it's i'm shopping for a new home in a new city <laughs> no sir i wouldn't no sir no sir it doesn't i would Winter get mad is a hard have... pass for you huh no it's not it's look dude i'm not I'm sure it's beautiful, and most of my life is spent indoors, so it doesn't matter. I've got heat inside, and it's fine. Like, people used to say, how can you stand the heat in Vegas? I'm like, I don't know. It's a 33-second walk from my car to the door <laughs> and a minute-and-a-half walk from my car to the front door of my job. Like, that's <laughs> – I'm, I'm outside for a total of seven, seven minutes a day. I think I can handle 120 degrees. So, I don't know. Like – it's not it's not the cold it's not i mean i wear shorts to work every day now and i work on a dock where the the bay doors open most of the time so i'm not a i'm not my first thought was like are you a fucking fisherman i'm like oh a dock sorry yeah i'm a receiving manager but like i wear shorts like i'm a shorts pictured you catching giant mackerel and throwing it to the next person in tennessee Huge, huge fisheries here in, in, in Tennessee, big time. The, the oceanfront property is gorgeous here. But, <laughs> but, Your wife's uh, like, you come home another day smelling like fucking fish. Dude, you're crazy, but I like moved the pallet today 
And I, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll move this pallet for you from like the meat and seafood guys. And I pick it up, and it's just, just pours over me with fish juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm a vegetarian too. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't that's eat meat. Right. So it's like, so it's like, and then of course all day long. And I'm. <laughs> oh, that's that's double terrible then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty bad. And then every. The meat rendering people come to pick up the bone bar- barrels, like of all the fat and trimmings. Oh, yeah. And he backs up to my dock, you know, and I'm just like catching whiffs of this just rotting f- flesh. I'm like, oh. God, when I worked I in a grocery store, like cutting through the meat department, like back area, it was one of those things where it's like you do it once out of convenience and then you're yeah. like, I'm never cutting through there again. Like, the that fun is, thing that's is, fucking gnarly. It's a Whole Foods, so it's thankfully it's like the best of the, you know what I mean, the cleanest and everything and the nice. But still, just just seeing some of it, I, I just prefer and then smelling it is, is a whole nother thing. Um, but no, I don't I don't work on the fishery docks. Just uh, you know, I, work, <laughs> I wish I'd do a Boston accent; it would be much funnier. But I I know I'd butcher the shit out of it. But I, I wear shorts all the time, so I'm not adverse to, to cold. I, it just doesn't bother me. I what I'm what I'm against, Joe, is I sleep. I get up like a good hour before a good maybe hour fifteen minutes before I have to get to work because I got about twenty minute drive. But like, I don't want to wake up forty five minutes before that to put on multiple layers of clothing, boots that are resistant to wet, that my socks won't get wet, and then go out there and do physical labor just so I can get in my car to go to work. I don't want to do that. That's not – I'm not doing that. It's really good for building character. <laughs> I'm 43, that's, that's Joe. If say, I don't have right? character by now, it's, it's 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 over. Just I am who I am at this point. Like <laughs> you know, so I, I don't know. I can't I can't do it. I can't I can't add extra time. So I have a seat in my shower. Like I, I bought like this Japanese style like like teak seat that I sit down. <laughs> you just on. sit down showers in the morning. Well, I don't <laughs> shower and like I don't shower. I don't like lather myself up while I'm in the chair. I just like sit down and let the hot water soak over me <laughs> because I enjoy that feeling. And but just not on your feet. <laughs> well, I just don't. I don't have all kinds of energy to spare like everybody else. So I have to stand there. I, I, I get, I, I conserve my energy. You know, there Joe. might be something to that though. The other day, just for fucking shits and giggles, I was like, what would this shower feel like if I was like a lot shorter? And so I got down on my knees in the shower and I was like, well, this is like an entirely different sensation of the water hitting me when I'm this far away from the shower head. Oh, great. I used to have this garden tub in this apartment that I lived in and it was this big tub and it, you know, like when you're in an apartment, it's like you don't have a tub and a stand-up shower. It's just all in one. You know what I mean? So I got this big tub and it's got the, you know, the shower head on it. And I'm like laid the fuck out. And <laughs> I turn it on. And like it's just like you can look up and you just see the giant water droplets coming at you and hitting you in the face. And it's like a, a Mentos commercial. It's just like <laughs> refreshing. And I, I mean I used to sit in there and, and I don't do it anymore because I've – got this weird conscious now about like plastic consumption and water usage and everything is a fucking guilt trip now for, for me every goddamn thing i do and so i don't do it anymore but i shit i used to take until the water got cold i'd be in there oh like, yeah just, i'm gonna cash out this water heater 
Yeah. No, I'm serious. Like, it's a good solid hour and 15 minutes just letting this water just run all over me. I don't know what it is. I was fishing another life. I just fucking love water on me. And uh, That's the best part about a shower in a hotel room, right? It's like uh, endless hot water. Yes. And it's like this peel your skin off kind of pressure, which <laughs> I actually kind of enjoy. Yeah, the higher the water pressure in the shower, the better. Yeah, the one I have here, I mean, this house was built two years ago, and the one I have here, it's like fucking dribbles out. And I'm like, I don't know who to call. Like, I guess a plumber, but like, I don't know. It's it's not clogged. So I feel like this guy's going to be like, hey, what do you want me to fucking do about it? Ah, you know, I don't know why they talk like they're from New York around here, but I'm just, <laughs> I just assume all plumbers have a New York accent. But yeah, I don't I don't know who to call. Well, depending on the shower the fixture, you might be able to look at like the back of the faucet head. And oh. and see if it's the style that has like flats on it, you know, where you'd be able to grab it with like a pair of pliers or a crescent wrench or something like that. Yeah. And then you might be able to hold, you know, the pipe with the other hand and then twist that head off. Yeah. And they're usually threaded about the same where you could just take that head and go right to a hardware store and just say, hey, I want a, something that's going to fit this, but be higher pressure. That's yeah. your best case scenario. Here's it, the thing, though. I, I think it's a problem in the house because it takes... 30 seconds to fill up a pot to boil, you know, macaroni in or whatever. So you have shit water pressure in every single, exactly. in every exactly. single faucet. Mm. Yeah. I think it's something more like deeper concerning to where I'd have to like call are somebody. Are you on city fucking... water? Yeah. I That's am. really fucking bizarre then, especially yeah, cause it's such a new house. Do you have a yeah. water softener? No. Yeah. Neither do I. No. That's no, weird. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to talk to a plumber. You've yeah, exhausted Handy, my knowledge. Get Handy Greg on here. Let's see what he has to get say. Get Handy Greg on it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You get it fixed and you will be highly entertained because that dude's oh, fucking hilarious. God, he's so funny. God, I, I still never got any information about how his balls were doing. I heard on an episode where his chihuahua <laughs> thought his genitalia was the bone he was chewing on and bit through his sack and he was bleeding out and Oh yeah, that's 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 the stuff of horror, right? It reminds me of like these dangling plot lines in some of these shows when they get canceled. I'm like, what what the fuck happened to Greg's balls? Like, I, I need to know. <laughs> you know, I even wrote PCL an email and asked for an update, and fucking got crickets on it. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I, I still don't even know. I don't even know how he's doing. I guess I could reach out to him, but like, who the fuck is this? And why is he, why does he, why do you care about my balls? Okay. I'm just picturing Brian opening that email I'm writing because I'm curious how, how Greg's balls are doing. Yeah. And it's just hitting delete and moving on. <laughs> to the next thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him. I'm not sour about it. I mean, it's, it's legit stupid. I just, I'm, I'm concerned. That's all. Cause I don't think I've heard him since. I hope he's okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you talked to him. He yeah, I just had him show. on an episode not too long oh, ago. Oh, shit. So how was his balls? I don't know if it came up or not. Oh, my God. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is an outrage, dude. How do you make? How do you tell that story and not follow up on it? <laughs> uh, I need to get to the bottom of this job. I, 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 might know, to... I guess I guess legit, and you can feel you know comforted by this or, or abandoned by it, whatever. But <laughs> I don't really consider my guests balls when they're on the show. Really? Really. Yeah, I've spent zero time. Even right now, we're talking about it, and I'm still actively not thinking about your balls. That seems borderline inconsiderate. I don't know. I mean, are you thinking about my balls right now? I usually think about my balls when I hear your <laughs> balls. See, it's weird when a man asks you that, right? 
eh, I, I'm so far beyond weird, Joe. Like it doesn't, none of that shit phases me. I'm from Florida for the love of shit. <laughs> this is true. That's, what we, that's all we talk about is balls. You say 20 you years in today? Florida. Oh, they're sticking to the left leg. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always about which leg they're sticking to because you're in Florida and it's just humid and humid. So. Oh, hey, we get the best of both worlds in Iowa. We get the blistering cold winters and we also get the, stick, the nuts stick to your legs hot, 100% humidity summers. While you're saying that out loud, I have to ask you, have you ever really thought about just picking everybody up and moving somewhere better. I've like, if I were to pick up and move somewhere, I would love to move to Colorado. I like Colorado for like, a, like multiple reasons. Um, yeah. Like I, I love looking at mountains. Like it is. Yeah. And, and, and I'm so into hiking and stuff and there's just so much public land there and it's just, I don't know. The place is just beautiful. Yeah, um, man. Absolutely love Colorado, but you know, I mean, I've got, we all of our family is like all of our immediate family is close by here and and you know that and it just seems like a real pain in the ass try and sell a house while moving into another one and i know it's something people do every day but it's like oh wow i've got so much other shit going on i can't imagine trying to all of a sudden be like okay let me look around this place and look at all the things that i would have to do to get this place to a a state where I'm like, yeah, people come in and, and look at it. But then also the thought of people coming in and like viewing my house while my shit's still in here too, that yeah. makes me severely uncomfortable. I agree. My wife's always talking about getting some of because, you know, she works long hours and she's always talking about getting somebody to come walk the dogs. And I'm like, I just, I don't, why I don't, I can't, I'm not comfortable with the thought of some other human being in my house because I think about myself when I was probably 20 years old and I walk into somebody's house and I know they're not home. I'm flipping through some shit like, hey, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just human nature. You know what I mean? And I got some comic books in here that, you know, that are probably worth more than the house. So it's like I don't – you know what I mean? That's one aspect of it. But just in general, just the fact that somebody I've never met in my entire life is in my house. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty no. wild. So, and I'm not the kind of guy that's going to throw cameras up in every corner and try to watch that shit. That, that's also – it's just a whole nother – I don't need a notification on my phone every time there's a, a loud car that goes by my front door. Like I don't need something else to worry about while I'm somewhere else. <laughs> you got, know what I mean? I got cameras everywhere. It's fucking great. Dude, I'm so lazy. I put a camera down in my cellar so that I can just check on my phone rather than going actually down into the cellar and making sure everything's all good down there. I heard that story, and I don't think that's lazy at all. I think that's very smart. I'm not trying to crawl, crawl through daddy long legs and shit to find out what's going on down yeah, there. Yeah, I stand by it. It's a fucking brilliant idea. In fact, no, I'm going like to check that. that cellar right now. Yeah, what are you checking for? Ghosts and shit? I forget. Yeah, just seeing if there's water on the floor down there. And you check because that's a thing that, that matters. Like, if that's a thing that happens every once in a while. Like, it's not... It's not common enough. Like I have a sump pit that like I put in myself down there that mm -hmm. like I, I dug and then, you know, got the little plastic thing to put in and then poured the right. cement around and did all that shit. And like I it's I put that sump pit in, I don't know, maybe two or three years ago at this point and have, have never I think it, I've had to use it actually once. But it is one of those things where it's like, well, there's a cellar. I rarely ever go down there. It's like my furnace and stuff is down there. Mm -hmm. and, and also worst case scenario, you know, the, the toilet is backed up and there's a bunch of fucking doo-doo water all over the floor down there. 
Okay. Yeah. See, I don't. I've never had a cellar. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, we the toilet is backed up. I've had to have Rotor Rooter come in and and run a snake through the drain maybe three times in the entire time that we've lived here. And it's probably just tree roots because the the house that I'm living in was built in 1966, but there was an older house that was here before that that they demoed and then built this house on new in 66. Okay. And so there's mature maple trees like all over my property. And so every time Rotor has been here, the, the maple trees that are on my property are really pretty, especially like um, in the fall, the, the ones in the front yard, the, the leaves turn a really, really intense shade of red. And then the mm. backside of them is like a light pink. So when they fall and they're just carpeted all over my front yard, it's just varying shades of bright red and light pink everywhere. Okay. It's that sounds fucking gorgeous. You know, I, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and invite myself up there sometime to see you because <laughs> I feel like I've, I've driven through Iowa. I have, I, I, I purchased a car in Pittsburgh once and I drove it back to Vegas. Oh, nice. And yeah. I, I probably went I 80. Probably. It, I, all I know is every, every highway and County line in that state was like a straight line. I thought that was pretty interesting. I'm not, oh, yeah. not used to seeing that. And then I drove through it and I, I saw, I saw, I realized why, cause it was just rolling Hills and giant hay bales, like just rolls of hay everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 80 is, is pretty flat. The entire stretch of 80 is all flat. Um, if you go north on... Yeah, because I left out of Chicago, so if that helps you. Yeah, yeah. All of 80 that you, you... You don't get a very flattering view of Iowa from 80. You got to go into the northeast part of Iowa to see where Iowa gets really pretty. And that's where you are. Yeah, I'm right on the boundary of that. Like, I, okay. it's an, I, it is less than an hour drive for me to get to where Iowa gets really, really pretty. Okay. What's it, the name of your city? I, I live right outside Cedar Rapids. Oh, okay, and that's a that's a big that's a big city. Second biggest in Iowa. Okay. Uh, Des Moines is is bigger than Cedar Rapids, but I don't think by by not all that much. What school is is that Iowa State or no? Yeah, Iowa State is in. Let's see, Iowa State is in Ames, which is right outside Des Moines. the The closer one to me is Iowa, University of Iowa in Iowa City. That's the Cyclones. Uh, Ames is Cyclones. Uh, University of Iowa is the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes. Okay, so you're closer to the big, the, the bigger school. I mean, as far as yeah. football is concerned. And then University of Northern Iowa. I think there may be Panthers. Maybe mm. they're they're in like Waterloo, Cedar Falls type area, and so that's just a little bit north of where I'm at. I'm kind of like situated, kind of right in the middle between the three big public universities. Okay. Well, you know, Tennessee is actually really beautiful too, and you have to go. You New know, River Gorge, through... dude. I've wanted to see exactly. that place forever. I mean, just. Come on down, man. We got room for you and at least one of your kids. So just bring one of your kids. <laughs> you know, we do drag them out into the woods a lot. Yeah, a lot there's a lot. Hikes. There's lots of good hiking here. My wife drags me uh, along on the more amateur ones because that's pretty much all I can handle. Nice. But, yeah, dude. Yeah. Hiking hills is one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah, there's, there's, these are, there's. I don't know if they're called mountains. I mean, I live next to something called Lookout Mountain, but I. It's nothing like that's out there in Colorado, but my wife does now that you meant now that I think about it, my wife does go, like going on the winter hikes with her friends because there's lots of like frozen waterfalls around ice flows. They're fucking awesome. I could send you some yeah. really good pictures of ice flows from here in Iowa. That's awesome. Yeah, because she sent me a picture and it was like a nice like 40 foot one and it was just like completely iced. I'm like, wow, that's gorgeous. 
So yeah, there's this one that that Lindsay and I would hike out to all the time. Well, there's actually two of them that are really close to each other, but the entire hill is probably like a hundred, maybe a hundred and fifty foot hill. Okay. And and the the freshwater spring is right at the top of it, mm-hmm. and so this ice flow goes all the way down to the river. So, nice. I mean, if if the conditions are right you'll be able to hike out on this really big point of land and then kind of look over to, you know, out over your left shoulder. And if the conditions are right and it's really, really cold out and all the snow's melted, the ice flows will still be there and they'll just be like bright white against this really dark hillside. And so you can hike out to there and look over and go, oh, the ice flows there. Let's go. And then you do this really adventurous hike where eventually you got to go and then you switch back down this side of this hill where if it's snow covered, it feels spicy where you're oh, going and no. grabbing tree to tree, because no, if no, you no, lose no, it no. and go off to the right, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> no, no, I can't. I can't dude. Like I You'd just, be scared. The, I'm too like my ankles or don't feel like they're, they support my weight. Like that's just the way it is, man. Yeah. And every I time tw- I take my ankles a... twist super easy. So I feel you, dude. I just feel like coming down is where like going up is I don't care, but going down, that's when I start for some reason it's like, oh shit, like this is this doesn't feel right. You Helps you I mean? do it backwards. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. That like, that sounds like if I can do it backwards, are probably too steep for me. All right. Well, when I get on really steep descents on hillsides, I'll turn around yeah. and do it backwards. Yeah, that makes sense. And then a lot you sense. know, you bring your hands into the situation also and yeah. and it's it's just a little bit easier that way. And also down climbing is is pretty fucking easy because it's all just about looking down and just finding the next place to put your foot. Yeah, dude. I remember when I was, I got one story and I got, well, it's not a story, but I got, I, anyway, <laughs> I used to repel when I was in the boy Scouts and it was like one of the most fun things that dude, I ever repelling did. Repelling is super fun. It's scary as shit at the top too, isn't it? It's crazy because like, <laughs> as I'm watching everybody else do it, I'm like, Oh, so there's really not too much danger here. Like, even if you slip, you're not just if you do it right. <laughs> yeah, you're holding a rope and you just, you know, kind of slowly knock against the wall here and you're fine. You just lower yourself down or whatever. But like, I remember this, it wasn't very high, maybe like maybe 40, 50 feet, but like it had this like hump at the top. You know what I mean? So like you have to basically go out on off the edge like that and not really be able to see the wall that you're going repelling against. Yeah, it's not like stepping down a steep staircase at the top. It's like you're going exactly. over and kind of hanging in space for a bit. Yeah. And so it's I like, where it. the fuck do you put your feet when you're doing that? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I loved it, man. I, I I did. And, you know, skydiving and all that shit I love. I had a great time doing all that. Oh, but, shit. I've, I don't yeah. know if I got the balls to skydive. Dude, I thought the same thing. And then I don't know what it was, but the day I woke up, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't feel that scared. And then I'm like, all right, well, when I start driving out there, like that's when it'll kick in. I'm like, no, not still nothing. I'm like, all right, well, when I get to the airfield, like that's when it's really no nothing. Got on the plane, I was like, all right, well, when they start taking off, like nerves are gonna kick in, and it never really did. To the point where, when it was time to actually fall out of the plane, I honestly had to think, oh shit, I think I'm supposed to be screaming, and I went ah, like faked it. <laughs> I don't know what happened to me that morning, but it was like the easy, simplest thing in the world for me. And the the free fall wasn't like that big of a deal. It wasn't like super like fucking extreme, man, fucking Mountain Dew, like the guy that was strapped to me. But like when the chute opened, 
and it was like you felt like you literally were suspended in midair, you know, and there wasn't a sound in the world. Like that was fucking amazing. That was my favorite part. When you go from like ear rushing at uh, – it was air rushing by your ears to where you can't hear a damn thing and then it, everything just stops and you f- you actually feel like the most silence and still you've ever felt in your life. Wow. That's I've never heard that, that described like that before. That's incredible. Yeah, because that's the whole time everybody's like, yeah, yeah, the free fall. And I'm like, I don't know. It wasn't that much for me. But, but when the shoot opened – you know, it's impossible to feel completely like weightless or completely silent, you know, because even the blood in your ears, you can hear when it's completely silent. You know what I mean? But coming from that extreme of the wind blowing by your ears to nothing, I mean, I'm, it was completely silent. And I didn't even I, – I honestly, your brain doesn't even think you're falling anymore. But you are rapidly coming down still, of course. <laughs> but your descent well, has been slowed so much that it's like your mind's playing a trick on you, huh? Yeah, and it, like you're looking around and you're like, oh, I'm actually not moving. I'm not getting any closer to the ground. And of course you are and it comes into perspective a little bit as you get further down. But but man, that, that good like 30 seconds of that time where I'm like, am I actually moving? Like am I just completely just – a being floating in the fucking air. Like I, this is amazing. <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. So it's like some major Tom shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking deep as shit, Joe, as you can tell. <laughs> I, I talk about balls and shit. Like I'm, I'm super deep. <laughs> I'm going to be a deep shit. If I don't get off this podcast, though. I know that <laughs> Do you want to rap. The wife is is uh, is is waiting, so I don't want to rap. To be honest with you, I feel like I, I can ramble on about absolutely nothing forever with you. But uh, yeah, no, you probably... got a sick you got a sick wife at home. Let's get you out I of mean, here. You can go take care. She's been sick for so fucking long. It's like enough already. Oh, That's very compassionate of you. It's like ugh. <laughs> I was compassionate the first week and a half, and now it's like oh. Jeez. What enough already? And I get it. You're coughing. I get it. I get it. Wow. Well, I, I love my wife. If I'm it's sorry. a week and a half, I assume she's gone to the doctor. So you guys got that all in hand, right? No, she's a nurse, so she doesn't. She, she just self diagnosed. You say she's a mental health nurse. Yeah, but she still had to go through the other shit. <laughs> I mean, you can't just be a mechanic and only work on mufflers. You got to know other shit. My wife just literally barged into the room and gave me a look. <laughs> well, dude, this yeah. has been fantastic. I love talking with you. Steve. No, I just, I'm now I'm just wondering if, if she heard everything I just said about her. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking it's impossible. What are the chances that she barged right in at that moment? It is a little damning. <laughs> I'll let you check on me in about an hour. All right, Joe, please. I'll, I'll do a wellness check on you in a little bit. <laughs> man, I love talking to you so much, man. I wish I could I could be on all Did you hear the cough, by the way? I did. I did. It's legit. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Two weeks I've been listening to this. <laughs> well, where can people get more Stephen Farshid in their lives? Oh, I don't know why they would want it. The, the Smorgasbord podcast is what I do. I do it with Neil Tholander, and we just recap all of the current star trek that's on and if there's not any current star trek on then we just kind of go back and 
and do our favorite episodes. We've been dying to get you on to talk about the property that nobody ever wants to talk about, which is Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs> we'll happily we come and do that. <laughs> person that I know that has a positive experience with that movie, and it's, I mean, you have to go on record and talk about that. You're literally, you should be, a, you should be experimented and here, on. Because- and here's the thing, dude. I've never gone back and rewatched it since, since that night in that cabin out in the woods. Yeah, it, yeah, and so well, it's like, how's it gonna be? But yeah, let, I mean, whenever you guys want to do it, let's get it scheduled. I would be so stoked. I, I I love you and Neil. I love talking with you guys. I would be so excited to talk, even if I'm the only one that's excited at all to talk about this podcast. No, we need some conflict because me and Neil agree on a lot of stuff on Star Trek. So we need somebody that comes on the other side here. So yeah, I mean, Joe, absolutely any time, and I I love doing Starcast with you. I love the the free flow form and I love listening to it. And I'm so happy that it's just like always on my feed. Now there's always a new episode up. So keep it up, man. And please, 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 please get on that book. Cause I really, I'm, I'm fiending for oh, it. I'm, not I'm just, still working on it. I, I work I'm, on it every day, dude. <laughs> all right. I'm not just saying that dude, I'm fiending for it. I really am. So uh, even that, if you want to give me another chapter, so exciting. yeah. You want to give me another oh. chapter? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I might take you up on that, dude. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, I, I mean, I, believe I, me, I'm excited to share it with people, but it's yeah. like, yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, I've been working on it every day. It's definitely early in the year when I was saying, oh yeah, it's going to be 2021 release. That was, you know, I now looking at the end of, of November, it's like, yeah, it's a little optimistic, so, yeah. <laughs> but I am working on it every day. It's not just, it's not just sitting, but, um, dude, thank you so much for coming on. I love talking with you. Can't wait to do smorgasbord with, um, with you and Neil. That'll be awesome. And uh, even if it is revisiting a movie, <laughs> no, I can't wait to hear it. Best. But, I can't um, wait to hear your second reaction to it. So, so yeah, thanks great. for having me again, man. Anytime. Hell yeah. And thank you all very much for listening until next time. This has been Startcast. <laughs>